0: Mm-hmm.
1: alissa bergamini your in-game host for your chicago white Sox, and you're watching the best podcast on the south side of chicago south Verbs hitman make sure you tune in
2: listening to the ballroom network the following program is intended for all audiences welcome to the south burbs hitmen podcast with your hosts joe mandel stephen zim zimmerman vinnie parisi and chris gonzalez we're bringing you the white sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. grab your comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitman. Ball hit deep. Way back. You can. Put it on the board. Yes. Yeah. Jimenez in the air. Left
3: field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs.
0: Over the head of Jenks rebate charges, throws, out! And the White
2: Sox have won the World Series!
4: Alexei! Yes! Yes! Yes!
1: Yes! Yes! History! A perfect game by Mark Burley, and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by 21!
4: Starts now.
2: What is going on everybody and welcome to South Burbs Hitman. I'm one of your hosts Joe Mandel. I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking to Vinnie Parisi, Steven Zimmerman and Chris Gonzalez. Couldn't be with us tonight but he's always here in spirit. Gentlemen, before we even get going, we got a great guest tonight. We've been trying to get him for a while. We finally got him to come on the show. As everyone knows, Alyssa Bergameni is three-time guest on the show. We have her, her new in-stadium host, co-host with us, Ryan Lee, joining us on the show. So, gentlemen, Zim and Vinny, join me in welcoming Ryan to the show. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us tonight, man.
3: What's up, guys? Thank you for finally having me. I'm so glad to be on here tonight.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. We're so happy to have you. Uh, I'll do brief introductions. I'm Joe Mandel. Uh well, above me, we got Vinny Parisi and Steven Zim Zimmerman. Ryan, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
3: No problem. I'm excited to talk with you guys. I've heard nothing but great things from Alyssa. So I'm excited. This is gonna be fun.
2: Thanks for coming. Hey man, it's on, high, man. Yeah, it's high praise. We 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 appreciate that. Uh everyone's excited to have you here in the chat. Everyone's you know, a little fired up. So his Justin's another another Lee, uh, Justin Yay. Lee's favorite day of the week. So, you know, look at that. So we're so excited to have you, Ryan. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming one of the in-stadium hosts for the White Sox. We know you're a producer and personality over at Kiss FM. Tell yeah. us about how you got here, how you want to grow, and let the fans know who you are as a person. Absolutely. So I am from – well, I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we
3: moved here to Chicago when I was three years old. So I consider, consider Chicago home. I'm from the south suburbs, Orland Park. And for the longest, I knew I wanted to be in this industry of broadcasting, radio, television, hosting. And that's where I ended up at iHeart Media Chicago, where I serve as the uh, executive producer for the WGCI Morning Show. And then Monday through Friday, I'm on Kiss FM from 12 to 5 a.m. Uh, so I've been doing that for about, I've been in radio for seven years now. I've been with iHeart for five years And then, you know, I love radio, but I also was looking to expand the brand. And I heard that this MC in-game host position was opening up with the White Sox. And, you know, being from the south suburbs of Orland Park, I grew up going to the baseball games. I grew up a Sox fan. Uh, It's the only team that I recognize here in Chicago when it comes to baseball. Oh, yeah. So um, I was looking forward to, you know, mixing that with my broadcasting experience with hosting. And then, you know, honestly, I was excited for this position because when I grew up going to the games, my I liked watching the game. But I'm going to be honest, my favorite part was like the food and like mapping out in my head. What am I going to get when I go to the game and like in between contests? So I was like, it's full circle now that I'm in this position doing that and talking about that with fans. So I'm really looking uh, looking forward to being there with the family, uh, with the White Sox family. It's been a great time so far. Uh, I feel, feel like now I'm kind of starting to get the swing of things and get the hang of everything, but it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to just growing with the White Sox. It's a great organization, a great family base. Everybody there has been so welcoming from the people who work there, my co-hosts, Alyssa, my bosses, the fans, everybody has been super welcoming. And I think that just is a testament to the South Side of Chicago, honestly.
2: Oh, absolutely, man. The, us Southsiders, as you know from being a fan previously, we know how to party. We know how to have a good time. And and you get to experience that all the time over there at the at the rate. But uh, as <laughs> you mentioned, your co-host Alyssa told yeah. us, and you just mentioned you're from the or- you're from Overland Park. Right. You know what? Since we're the South Burb sit, man. What's your favorite spot to hang out in the Orland, Tinley South Burb area? Do you have a spot you like to hang? Is there a bar? Is there a restaurant? Yeah, you no, got-
3: there was a bar. It's like on in Tinley. I think it's on 130. It was called Dervin's. I think it's still there. Still there. Durbin's before COVID was the spot that I used to hang out a lot. Uh, Orland has like a good, I like, for like a good outside restaurants on LaGrange and stuff. So I like to do that. But Durbin's was definitely a bar. Uh, Black Sheep used to be on 159th. I used to be over there too. RIP. RIP to Black Sheep. Uh, so yeah, Orland has a few good spots to hang out and chill, whatever, like with still friends that live here from high school.
2: No, that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, you know, as being the in-stadium host, you get to see all the cool theme nights, right? So, you know, you've been a part of a, of a good chunk of them so far. Um, yeah. Most notably, we have a photo here of you from Southpaw's birthday. Let me see if I can pull that up right here. There oh, you go.
3: What is it? Yes.
2: There you go. And, and of course, Southpaw getting inducted into the mascot Hall of Fame—always big stuff. But you know. Big, yeah, big round of applause to Southpaw. I think we can all say well-deserved there. <laughs> um, but uh, with all the theme nights, I'm curious, You know, out of all the ones you've experienced so far, yep. what is your favorite? And then what's the one you're looking forward to the most?
3: Favorite, I got to say, we did Lollapalooza. I did that one this past weekend, uh, last weekend, and Lollapalooza was super fun. Like, we gave away four-day passes, which I thought
2: was, Ooh, like, crazy. Big, big money, yeah.
3: I mean, the fact that fans, I was able to surprise, like, 20 lucky fans with four-day Lollapalooza passes was insane. And then it ended with the fireworks to music of artists that were going to be playing at Lollapalooza. So I thought that was super cool. Um, I also really like family day. I feel like I remember going to family day when I was with family and stuff like that. And then also I remember this crew neck is actually one of the ones that we gave away at like one of the first family days that I did hosting. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, honestly, for me, one of my favorite parts about it, though, I don't know if we consider a theme is just the whenever we have the fireworks at the end of the night, I love going out on the field, telling fans like, hold on, just. Don't leave yet. In a few minutes, we're gonna have the post-game fireworks show. And then it's something about the fireworks on the south side with the playlist that's blasting. I literally the other night I was telling my boss, I was like, this right here is just Chicago. And I think that's what I look to forward a team. to. Like, yeah, like when I know it's a firework night, I'm like, that is Chicago. So I remember driving if I wasn't at the game, and you could see the fireworks on the expressway. So that's what I look forward to. But no, Lollapalooza night last weekend, that was a lot of fun.
2: Dude, that's awesome. And I know one of the biggest theme nights of the year that everyone goes all out for, and I'm sure you're going to be excited for, you got Elvis night coming up here soon. Yes. The new Elvis movie just dropped. Yes. You're going to be wearing the sunglasses and and all that jazz, right? Are you going to get a jumpsuit and everything or what? From
3: what I've heard, I may be in a full Elvis costume. Yes. I don't know. It may be some surprises. I'm excited for that, though. Like, I love that White Sox fans – no matter what the theme is, we go all out. And, like, when, the moment we get fans, then we see them all dressed up, like when it was Hawaiian night and everybody had on the shirt. Like, that's what I think I just love, that it's just not a baseball game. It's like we all go all out for the theme. So, Elvis, yeah, I may have to have the sideburns, and I may have to do the whole jumpsuit. I got, I have to. It's my
2: first year hosting. Dude, Yeah, that's – you'll never experience an Elvis le- – I mean, other parks do it, but there's nothing like a Southside Elvis night where you get, like – 30 dudes sitting together in the stands, all in the Elvis jumpsuit. It's just something about it, man.
3: It's so crazy. A few years back, I went to the White Sox game with my friends, and I don't think none of us knew that it was actually Elvis night. And then when we got there and we're walking in and we see so many people dressed up like Elvis, that's when we realized like, yo, it's a full Elvis night tonight. And you're right. Everybody went all out and it was so much fun, but yeah. So it's crazy. Now I'm going to be a part of it. I'll be dressed up as Elvis probably.
2: Yeah, man, it's gotta be a lot of fun, but I'm going to toss you over the fence to my co-host Vinny Parisi. Vincenzo, take it away, my friend. What do you got for Ryan? First of all, Ryan,
0: Congratulations on this kick, yeah, man. Dude. I mean, how
3: exciting. Thank you. Thank how exciting. you so I appreciate that.
0: Uh, I mean, you get to work at Guaranteed Ray Field for a Major League Baseball stadium. You got Alyssa as your partner. Like, that is just – that is sick, man. Yeah. Congratulations to you.
3: Honestly, I just don't think it's fully – I tell people – I don't think it's fully hit me yet. You know, growing up here for the past 20 years and being a Sox fan and being a Chicago sports fan – In general, you it's only a dream to wish to be a part of it. And not only that, but to be on field and to be able to get the fans hype and to be with Alyssa as my co-host is it's a dream. Honestly, it's literally a dream come true that I don't think has hit me yet.
0: I love to hear it. I'm so happy for you. So you brought up that you went to White Sox games with your buddies back in the day like you were there as a fan many times before landing this job. Have you ever been to a different Major League Baseball stadium and caught the vibes there? If you have, did you enjoy it? Or is there one out there that you really want to take a visit to so you can maybe like see what they do? Maybe, you know, learn a thing or two what you guys can bring over to Guaranteed Ray Field. Like, hey, they do this cooler. Hey, I don't like that about them. Let's change this. Like, you know, has anything like that ever happened? Right. I haven't been to another one.
3: I have been in the Wrigley area, but I have not been to a Wrigley game. Um, But for me, I actually really want to go to like a Yankee stadium or like a historic team or like Boston, like somebody that has like a historic team just to see how they do it. I know I've been to like a Bulls game in between the White Sox season when it was kind of like that crossover. We were getting ready to start the White Sox and Bulls were still playing. And I noticed that all my attention went to the in-game host and I just want to see what they did, what type of activities they did, how did they get the crowd going? So I do now think I'll be looking more into that as I go to games. Like I may not watch the same as before, but definitely probably would love to go to a Yankees or like an LA Dodgers. I have family out in LA. So I would love to go to like a Dodgers game. Some of those historic teams that we all know and love have been around for a long time, just like the Chicago White Sox. Um just to see like how do they operate versus what we do, because honestly, and I could be biased, but it's something about the realness that the South Side at Guaranteed Rate has and that family vibe that I'm curious to see if other, other, other stadiums have it as well.
0: Absolutely. And so you also have you know the gig with Kiss FM and doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. We have a couple music guys on this show. I got to ask you, because I'm a big music guy myself. Okay. What's your favorite type of music to pump out? Do you have any influence on that at the stadium? What's going on in, in your music world?
3: You know, I'm all over the place. I got to be honest. If you look at my workout playlist, I'm going from top 40s to punk rock to hip hop to gospel. Like, I'm all over the place when it comes to music. Uh, That's what I think I love working at iHeartRadio. We literally have all the stations. So I could be in Light FM studio one day. I could be hanging out in GCI. Then I'm back in Kiss FM. Um, There's so much new music out. I will say that. So right now, my radar is on. I know Cardi B is dropping a new song, and it has Kanye West on it. Um, I know Giveon just dropped a brand new album last week, I believe. So there's so much new music out, I think, with summer being around. A lot of artists are going on tour right now. So right now, musically, I think I'm just enjoying all these summer songs. Like, I feel like every time I'm doing my Kiss FM show, I'm like, yo, I got new music. Yo, I got new music. And there's a lot of collabs that I think we're not expecting like Pitbull and Zach Brown have a song out right now. Yeah. And Post Malone and Doja Cat have a song out right now. So I think there's also like a lot of collabs that it's like, oh, I didn't expect this to happen, but I like it. Um, yeah, so I'm I, excited.
0: I kind of wish that was something that happened back in the day. Like I wish you would have got like, you know, Led Zeppelin to do something with the Beatles or something back in the <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, That, that would have been quite cool. like that artists are doing now. But before I toss you over to Zim, I'm curious, has there been a moment so far this season where you're, you know, doing the game at the field and you're like, wow, pinch me, I'm in this situation? Like, it it could be something as simple as celebrating with the fans after the walk-off over the Yankees or, you know, a certain theme night that just got you pumped up. Like, pinch me, I can't believe I'm here right now.
3: You know, I was saying in another interview, I think that hit for me, it was the first night, the first game my parents were able to come to the game. And they were able to see me live in action. It was actually a family Sunday. It was my first, like, big theme. And, you know, the first month or two, it wasn't as crowded in the field. Um, you know, cold out. School was still in session. But this was, like, the first Sunday game that I was like, oh, there's a lot of people here. Oh, it, like, the fans are crowded this Sunday. Okay. But to have my parents up there and, you know, they've seen how much I've worked hard in, for this career and worked hard for this job. Uh, and they remember, too, when we used to go to the games when I was a kid. So for them to be there to watch me and us talking about it after, I think that was the moment, honestly, that it hit me like this, this is my reality now. Like, of course, the energy of the fans is crazy. I love meeting the fans, too, when they're like, hey, you're on the screen. And I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, And you know, learning that it's their birthday or maybe their first time at a White Sox game. I love that part. But I think for me personally, it hit that Sunday at the game. I think I'll never forget that when my parents were right there watching and I was like, yeah, this is, this is re- my reality.
0: That's cool. I love hearing that. The fact that it has like a personal tie to you and your family. Congratulations yeah. to you. I'm very excited. I'm going to hand you over to you. Steven Zimmerman. He's. I know he's got some insane questions for you, but thanks again insane. for coming on our show. I'm so happy
3: for you and all the success so far. No, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, seriously. Thank you, Ryan. Like from all three of us, this has been awesome. I'm so glad that I get to keep it going with you and just something about White Sox stadium hosts. You guys are awesome on our show. So feel free to come back anytime. I think I speak for all three of us when I say that I might be preemptive, but we'll go through (laughs) this last round here. Um, I know you said you grew up a Sox fan. Uh, I'm just curious like who some of your favorite players were and like, if this, uh stadium host job has afforded you the opportunity to kind of get to meet some of those guys maybe get some of these surreal moments that you never thought you had you have yeah. any cool stories like that
3: no so definitely uh i gotta shout out frank thomas uh amazing white sucker. They hurt baby gotta shout him out
2: uh oh, also
3: gr- coming up in this i was a big tim anderson fan um i gotta show love right now dylan sees has been killing it so oh yeah gotta say was like he's a big one that i've been watching um, I haven't got to interact with some of the players yet, and I'm excited for that part because I know Alyssa has talked to me about it, some of the things that she's done with them in the past, and we've done a few games and stuff with them, so I'm looking forward to that because I think it's, like, one thing that I've noticed about the players, they're all, like, good guys, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah, not off. Yeah. They're always down there taking pictures and ready to meet the fans, so I think that's super dope, too, that it's a team that they incorporate what the Southside fans give to them. So I'm actually looking forward to working with them just so I could feel that same energy. Uh, Cause I think it's a different experience when you actually get to meet them and work with them. But those are some of the ones that I've been looking forward to meeting and working with.
4: That's awesome, man. I I like putting myself in your shoes. Like I, I would be on edge waiting for that day to come along. Like I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. for you on your behalf, man. Like this is, that's so cool, but you used a great word there. Energy, the energy that it brings. It, it, I'm curious what the energy has been like for you at the stadium this year? Like, I know it kind of been a little underwhelming, but yeah. you know, going from the fans' perspective to on field, yeah. like, does that kind of change the vibe and the feel for you? Or is it still that same energy that you're used to at the rate?
3: You know, I gotta say this because we may, we thought we were gonna come in stronger, right? And we may have, we've gone through some challenges, some ups and downs, right? One of the things that I've learned that has stayed consistent though. It's each day, each game, the fans have come in with the energy on 10. Like, we may have oh, not yeah. done good yesterday, but we're about to come back and we're going to go even harder today. And that's one of the things that I love about Chicago sports in general. We are passionate about our teams, but specifically talking about the White Sox. So I've noticed on days that, you know, the day before it may have not have been good. And I was like, oh, I wonder how today's going to be. Maybe I'm going to have to work a little harder to get the fans into it. And then by the moment that I park and I see everybody tailgating hours before the game, I'm like, oh, no, they're ready. We're, we're good to go. Always. It's like, yeah, it's we're good to go. And then once the game gets going, all it takes is those few first, first runs and hits to get us going. That it's like the energy in guaranteed rate field is crazy. I know there was one game in particular. I remember we were down the whole game and then got to the eighth inning and we just started coming back. And we really were like, yo, we're trying to win this. And the energy, I was just looking through the broadcast room, like, yo, this is crazy. And you feel that when we're going to do a camera hit, it's like I feel that same energy, or even the fan. The fan, we're watching before we go live on camera. And me and the fan are like high five and going crazy because our team is doing good. So I think the energy and guaranteed rate feel like you you really just have to experience it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's nothing that I can tell you about, but from the moment that people are there. Tailgating even when it was cold outside, and people are still out there hanging out, getting ready for the game, especially if it's a theme night. The energy is crazy, man. I love it.
4: That's so great to hear. Like, so I, little context I'm a thousand miles away, I'm in Denver. So, oh. I got the opportunity to go to a few games last year. It was awesome. I I'm glad to hear that. It's keeping up. I know these two guys can tell me all about it, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a little more inclined to believe your uh, opinion. on it. <laughs> <laughs> I get to go to my few game first game this year in a, in a few weeks though, I'm going to go see them uh, when they come to Colorado. So oh, that's
3: dope. Nice.
4: I'm pretty excited about that, but I'll, I'll bring this whole thing full circle. One of the first things you talked about was, uh, the food, the food at the stadium. Yes. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but the three of us like to eat. So I'm, I'm just, curious. I'm fighting
3: mine right now. You just see my <laughs> face. Don't worry.
4: <laughs> I'm just curious what, what some of your favorite items at the park are. Like I, I love the polishes. I know that Joe and Vinny are huge on the Cuban sandwiches. Yep. And I think the highlight of Joe's year was when they announced that the rainbow cones were coming back. So <laughs> I'm just curious. You know, yeah. some of the things that you like at the stadium. What's like your highlight? What's your go-to when when you're like, that's what I need today?
3: Okay, I got two things. I got to shout out Joe because when I first got my scripts and I learned that the rainbow cone was coming back, I was like, oh, Chicago is about to love this. Like, that is Chicago all day. So to have the rainbow to a, cone. To there, a T. To a T. So that's been a huge success. Um, I love a good ballpark hot dog. Now. I may not be in Chicago in this sense. I only like my hot dog with ketchup on it, though.
0: <laughs> no big deal.
3: And a lot of my coworkers, when I told them that, were looking at me like, "Ryan, don't say that in public." But, <laughs> but I I do just like my hot dog with ketchup on it. But also, we have these new smoked wings uh, at the ballpark that are super good, and like they have like a barbecue sauce that go with them. Fire! Mm. Like, and I'm a, I love a good wing. So awesome. smoke Wings, I really do love. Uh, I also, because just being from Chicago, one of my favorite things is Garrett's Popcorn. So I personally nice. love that we have a whole Garrett's Popcorn stand now. And of course, you cannot go wrong with the loaded nacho helmet, uh, big nachos guy over here. So whenever I see a fan like eating them and I'm about to do a camera hit, I really want to be like, yo, can I have some of your nachos? Yeah, right. But I'm trying to get ready for the camera hit. But no, I mean, I think we all can say now I haven't been to any other stadiums, but I will put money that guaranteed rate field has like some of the best food
4: when it comes. Well, to- i've been to four or five stadiums and i will say the rate has the best food of the of the few that i've been to yeah. so absolutely um no thank you so much ryan this has been absolutely awesome i'll let joe close you out here um yeah. but like i said hopefully I, i'm still on board to have you back anytime you want man
3: no, hopefully you guys can have me back. This was so much fun. Alyssa has told me so many great things about you guys. Hey, shout out to Alyssa. Yeah, she told me, told me so many great things. So I was excited to finally be able to get on and uh, be able to chat with you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. You guys have been yeah, very man. supportive on Twitter and social media since day one. For they sure, won. man.
2: Yeah. I we're really al- appreciate that love. Yeah, we're always in your corner. And, you know, you mentioned Alyssa. Before we let you go, we got to ask you, do you have a best Alyssa story that you can share on camera? Because you know, can, and also, can you believe she's never seen Star Wars?
3: Okay, me and Alyssa have a lot of things in common, and that is, is that all, a, you sh- that, No,
2: that
3: is, that, that, what? That, so, when I saw the show with Alyssa, I was like, uh, we're kind of similar there. Um, wow. funny story, actually, it's a super inside joke, so I'm excited to tell with you guys. Um, the first day I went out with Alyssa Unfield, like the first day, this first day I shadowed her. The second day was my first day. I was gonna be on the microphone with Alyssa and we were gonna do the rundown of what was going on at the ballpark. And we went through the script like a million times. It was my first time on microphone. I'm like, all right, listen, I got this. Like, we're gonna be good, you ready? And literally we went out there and I did my like first two lines and then my third line completely forgot. And then Alyssa was like, yo, the loaded nacho helmet, right, Ryan? And I was like, yo, you're right, Alyssa. Fans, you gotta check out the loaded nacho helmet. (laughs) So well, it worked out where she like played it off with me. But now it's an inside joke. Like, hey, Alyssa, what about that loaded nacho helmet? <laughs> I was so ready. We were like, yo, we got this. We practiced it. And then we went out there. And I think, once again, the energy, all the fans. It was my first time. And I got the first two lines down. That third one, Alyssa helped me out. So shout out to Alyssa. She's amazing. Uh, you know, everybody at White Sox loves her. And to shadow her. I was really like Alyssa makes it look so easy. So she does. She's amazing at it. Yeah.
2: Well, dude, that's that's awesome, man. I love you, love you sharing some of that insight there. Mm-hmm. It's always fun. And we're w- wondering, we you saw at the top of the show, we had Alyssa do a station ID for us. So we're wondering if we could ask you to, to lay one down for us. You could put your own spin on it, whatever, just something along the lines of this is Ryan Lee, give your spiel, and then say, and you're watching Southburb's Hitman. Uh, something along those lines if you if, if you would be so kind
3: yeah absolutely i'll do that right now for you i got you
2: awesome man i'm gonna put you in the full screen and uh, i can just count you down so we'll give you uh i'll count you in i'll give you a three two one okay. and uh, we'll go from there so here we go i'll give you a three two one hey guys i am ryan lee one of your white
3: Sox in-game hosts and right now you are checking out my guys on the south burbs hitman podcast
2: uh, this dude is a pros pro. Ryan Lee, everybody. One take, Ryan.
3: Thank you. Knocking
2: guys. it out of the park. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you got going on?
3: Yeah. So you guys can follow me everywhere at Ryan Media Lee. Uh, you can also listen to me every night on Kiss FM, 12 to 5 a.m. And then I also produce the WGCI morning show, 6 to 10 a.m. But most importantly, you can catch me now at Guaranteed Rate Field alongside Alyssa Bergenmini uh, cheering on the White Sox as the in-game host. And I look forward to seeing you guys at the game. Hopefully, Steve, you'll be able to make it to Chicago soon, and I'll be able to see you as well. But thank you guys again. This is super dope.
2: Absolutely, man. Ryan, thanks for giving us so much of your time tonight. Vinny and I will be there July 7th, so we'll see if we can find a way to track th- you down. I think I am there that game, so I definitely have to see you guys. Awesome. We'll 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 link up and get to say hello, maybe take a picture. But Ryan, we cannot thank you enough. Everyone you're that's watching, go give Ryan a follow. Instagram, Twitter, you know where to find him. Ryan Media Lee. Ryan, you've been an amazing guest. We can't Great. wait to have you back. Fingers crossed, hopefully during the playoff run. That's, that's hey, that's,
3: hey, we are going for it. We are speaking it out there. We are going to be in the playoffs and we're going to be back talking about playoffs. That's,
2: That's what, what I like to, to hear, hear, man. Let's speak it into existence. Yes. Everyone, Ryan Lee. Ryan, we appreciate it, man. Good luck tonight. Everything at KISS FM. And uh, we'll see you at a White Sox game soon. Sounds good.
3: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
2: All right, Ryan. Appreciate it. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye, Ryan. Bye. Ryan Lee, guys. Absolutely dynamite guest. Go give him a follow at Ryan Media Lee. I, w- I didn't want that interview to end, man. That was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's always nice when someone's able to bring the energy the way that Ryan does. And listen, there's a reason he was chosen. Like he's one, he's the one who got pegged in the contest. Like, hey, we think you're gonna be good with Alyssa as the in-game host. You're the guy. And then he comes on this show and it's like, yeah, you know, the White Sox know what they're doing.
4: So it's good stuff. Congrats to him on all the success. Really, really um, easy to see why those two are paired up together. I, I think uh potentially it would be cool to have them both on for a joint show at some point. Just I would love to feel that energy going back and forth because they both yeah. just bring it.
2: And that's why I had to get a I had to get an Alyssa story before we left to see if he had one for us. So that's cool. She's the pro's pro, and she definitely uh, she's definitely got a good one on her hand. So that's going to be fun to see those two uh, work together over time. Hopefully during the playoff run. But we're going to talk it into existence. It wasn't the greatest week of White Sox baseball, guys. But uh, before we get to that. Uh, We have a quick commercial break we're going to hop into, and then we're going to dive into the rest of the show. So, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick 45-second commercial break. We will be right back.
0: Tom Burster to me is a guy that plays man better than Adrian Amos. He played down in the box like Amos did. He's a little more fluid a little more instinctive, better ball skills. I mean, that was a big issue with, with Amos, is that when the ball would come close to his hands, um, we have a little bit of a drop issue there.
2: We now return to South Burbs Hitman. Yeah, cool stuff, guys. Bear Necessity is coming to the Ballroom Network soon. Check that out once it gets here. It's going to be a fun show with Jordan. But uh, getting back into White Sox talk, gentlemen, a little bit of a rough week. Uh, I think that maybe it's a bit of an understatement. But you go have a take two out of three from one of the best teams in the AL, and then you lose three out of four to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Vinny Parisi, thoughts? Because you caught two of those ball games in person.
0: Yeah. So the J series had good vibes. Even after the loss, I was like, okay, they were down nine to one. They made it nine to five late. Like the offense is coming along. You score five runs, you'll win more often than you lose, especially with the white Sox rotation and half of the bullpen. Um, then the Orioles came to town and I don't know if you guys, how deeply you follow my Twitter. I've tweeted uh, nice. I tweeted nice things about the Orioles. Three or yeah, they four got a good squad. A they squad do. Season. And the guy who runs Birds Watcher, which is the Southside Showdown version of Fan-Sided, like it, it's the Baltimore Orioles corner of Fan-Sided, he does a wonderful job, you know, explaining what's going on with the Orioles and they're way better than they were last year. I love when people were saying, "Oh, the White Sox lost to the Orioles." Yeah. They're in last place of the American League East because the other four teams in the division are World Series contenders. You know, the Baltimore Orioles aren't quite there yet, but there's a reason, and they're not as far under five hundred as you would probably think being in a division with, you know, four teams that are legit World Series contenders. And I'm not giving the White Sox any excuses for losing to them. They should beat the Orioles. They're more talented on paper than the Orioles, but they're a buzzsaw right now. And they came to Chicago. Adley Rushman made an impact, the number one prospect. And all of baseball, he caught three of their four games. And the White Sox also were a victim of something that's a problem for them when they're on defense, and that's defense. They have yeah. three incredibly athletic outfielders, and Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, Jose Abreu, they all had multiple instances where they hit the gaps with an, you know, balls that have an expected batting average of like 600 or better. And none, nothing to show for it. And bad base running, number one team in the league, getting thrown out at home. And, you know, you combine some of those things and you lose three or four. And that's exactly what happened. I in no way am like done with the White Sox after that three game out of four loss to the Orioles. It's definitely not good. I'm not like in on the White Sox winning the World Series or making it even to the playoffs at this point. But I will say like, it's it's a series that, they probably win more often than not, but Baltimore's hot. Their defense was on fire and they took advantage of Giolito, or Giolito didn't pitch, but they took advantage of like getting to Lance Lynn a little bit and a couple of weird decisions by Tony LaRusso with the bullpen. But that's kind of my takeaway from this series is that Baltimore is better than people think.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Defensively, they're definitely fantastic. Uh, before we move on, Dylan Cease. Sees- Steven Zimmerman was absolutely dealing, no pun intended, yesterday. Uh, stopped the bleeding against the Orioles. The bullpen almost gave it back up. But how good has Dylan Sees been, Zim? And is this guy going to be in the running to be a starter in the All-Star game for the American League?
4: He'll be in the running. I don't think he'll get it because there's a guy named Shohei Otani also in the American League. Um,
2: well, he started you last he year, does.
4: remind me. Remind it. And? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's quite an honor to be selected two years in a row and trust me baseball would love to give somebody like that the honor he's the face of the game right now they gave that's, our that's guy cool.
0: that three years in a row except one of the three he was with the red sox right chris sale started chris sale? three straight. did he that's really it. yeah i'm sure pretty did. sure he started oh, three well. straight
4: with the white well, he's definitely right. starting that that's <sighs> just it's it possible. like you want them to spread it around just for good sportsmanship. But at the same time, screw sportsmanship when a guy's that good, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so this, this isn't going to be an Esteban Loaiza starting the all-star game because you got to give the guy a nod. It's going to be Shohei Otani because Shohei Otani is the man. At any rate, Dylan sees has done exactly what the Sox have expected from him this season. And then a little more, he's second in the league in the strikeouts and not by a lot Uh, He has shut down the opposition every time it's been asked of him. He started a little shaky. uh, What was that about mid-May? He got a little shaky there, but he recouped really, really well. You know, something that Lucas Giolito, who is starting tonight, has struggled to do um, that he did well in years past. Uh, We're we're seeing sort of the next step coming from Dylan Cease. Um, You can see he's starting to gain a little bit more confidence in his battery um, I don't know if that's just more consistency, not changing catchers, um, which I'm not sure if he did in years past or not, if he was primarily with uh, McCann or Grandal and then got switched around or something. But regardless, he's he's gaining more confidence in his catcher. He's gaining more confidence in his own abilities. And you can see it in his eyes. He knows he's the man. He knows. <laughs> like, Later. Late. Does. that's it. You, you watch him, you watch him step back there and he doesn't care if it's Mike Trout or Joe Schmo. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to throw any players under the bus. They're professional players. They're a lot better than I'll ever be, but he doesn't care if it's me or Mike Trout in the box. He's going to strike us out. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh it's, it's just been awesome to watch. He's really risen and come into his own and is the ace of this staff that I know Gonzo expected him to be. I know Vinny had hopes for. Um, and frankly, I had questions about, and it's awesome to see.
2: Yeah, I had questions too, and it's great to see him kind of come into his own, get that command figured out. Uh, he's got it right now. let hopefully it sticks around for a while for us. But no, I just had to get your thoughts on that before we dive head first into the show here, guys. And you know how we always lead things off here on South Burb Sitman. Uh it's a segment vinny that what we like to call
0: well joe we like to call this segment La Russa's locker
2: yeah so it was a it was an interesting week for tony La Russa. Uh, there were some highs, there were some lows, there were some lower lows, and then there was Larry Garcia. Um, you know, however you want to look at it, Tony had uh, a a forgettable week. Let's put it that way. Uh, Zim, before I toss it to or Zim, before I toss it to Vinny, quick thoughts on Tony this week, and uh, do you want to give him a big hug?
4: You know, I I was really upset with him a few weeks ago. But as this keeps piling on, I'm starting to realize Tony's just doing what he can with what he's got. Look at this roster right now. What are you expecting to do? Like, who's he going to play instead of Larry Garcia? It sucks that we've got to deal with him day in and day out because that's just not the player that he is. He's a platoon guy. He's a, he's a every few days guy. He's not a day-to-day player. And unfortunately he's had to be used as a day-to-day player. So yeah little appearance by a j in the background there. <laughs> oh, no,
2: it's, all, it's it's all good, man I,
4: Well, I
0: mean, he heard the name Tony Larusa,
4: and we all kind of he's a very polarizing figure. I get it. Um, yeah, it's just I want to be mad at him. I want to ask more of him, but at the same time, what's he supposed to do with this? i I honestly, I give him props for starting to put Andrew Vaughn out there regularly. And not trying to play around that whole situation like I'm sure he wanted to. Um, yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do about it? Vinny, what do, what do you think? Are you of the same opinion or are you going to light him up?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. So, I agree that Tony Larusa is does have a harder job than a lot of managers so far this season because of the fact that multiple consequential players have missed significant time. A guy who's capable of hitting 45 bombs is currently in triple A because he hurt himself again. Um, again. Every pitcher on the pitching staff has dealt with something. Sans Dylan cease who don't, don't say that out loud. I, I wanted to say before, before I even move on from that, I want to piggyback off as him ceases one bad start. He still struck out double digit Yankees who have the best record in the American league. So, you know, he's outstanding and Tony Tony has full confidence in this guy now too, which I think is something that I appreciate because he has pulled guys. And I'm like, what are you, what are you pulling them for? Like you don't have Michael Kopech as a super weapon in the bullpen anymore. It was supposed to be Garrett crochet. He's out for the year. Like your super weapon now is kind of Reynaldo Lopez. He's that guy who could come in and go multiple innings or go one inning or close. Like,
2: you know, he's that Still unbelievable that by the way.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and Tony for me gets a little bit of credit, for what has happened to Reynaldo Lopez in the last two years, along with Ethan Katz. And I think Tony and Ethan Katz work well together in terms of pitcher development. And it's just some of the in-game stuff that really, really bothers me. Like on Saturday, I could not believe that Tony just kept letting Lance Lynn throw in that uh, seventh inning. He got two outs and then it was clear that he was done and he was over a hundred pitches. It's like, you see managers call a guy to get one out all the time. Like, that would have been a really good Reynaldo Lopez spot, you know, to get that third out. And he brings in Jose Ruiz. And the White Sox that's are only a, that's down That's a head by, scratcher. They're only down by one. And then Lance Lynn beans in the run. And then another hit scores a bunch. And then it's over from there. Er, Lance Lynn, he didn't give up a bunch himself. They were charged to him because he loaded the bases and then a runner got beamed in, you're only down by two. Like, what are, you, what are you bringing in Jose Ruiz for with guys like Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman and Reynaldo Lopez in the bullpen, and they're all available, you would think, because you lost yeah. four in a row. So, like, you know, and when you lose, those guys aren't pitching as much as they normally do. I would give Tony LaRussa a pass on the Le- Leary Garcia thing if I believed that the reason Leary Garcia was playing a lot is because of injury. And he is now, maybe. But listen to this, guys. The White Sox are 15 and 29 in games that Leary Garcia plays, they are 19 and 8 in games that he does not play. Baseball is a wild sport, okay? The two best players are on the White Sox opponent tonight Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. They are the two best players in Major League Baseball. And they're on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And that team stinks. They're five games under 500. So one guy doesn't make a team that bad, and two guys don't make a team good. I understand that. But it is just a little fishy to me that the guy on the White Sox, who has an under 200 batting average, uh, on-base percentage that would make a bad batting average, he's got a 210 on on-base percentage, his war is negative one. It's not even like it's negative. It's like negative one. And like, that's really bad. And he's probably the worst player on the team, he, at least right now, because we've seen him be good
2: in at the, the past. moment. Even, yeah.
0: Even the glove's not good right now. I mean, he jumped in front of Lenin Sosa and made an error on a play that Sosa would have had with absolute ease. And it's like, is it because Sosa's a rookie that you jumped in front of him and did that? which like you're supposed to be like leading by example you're the longest tenured player on the team and it's just mind-boggling to me that Tony uses him and I wouldn't believe it's a Tony thing if it didn't happen long before the injuries and then last year he like got legitimately mad i can't remember if it was Vinny Duber or Scott Merkin it was one of those guys calling I think, him it, a I think it was player, Duber and he like screamed at him so like i don't i don't know what's going on but LaRusa didn't have his worst week. It definitely wasn't the Dodger week. Uh, and, you know, the Baltimore Orioles came to town and whooped their ass. I don't got a better way to put it. And they played better than them on all facets of the game and three out of the four. And they made it close in the last one. Um, it's just, it's a tough situation. is not the guy. He's not. I, I would put him as a bottom five manager in the league right now based on what I've seen from in game strategy and you know, what not. But if they had a top five manager, what would they have? Four or five more wins? Which is like... Maybe. maybe.
4: They'd be around 500 instead of being slightly below, right? Exactly.
0: Like, I am of the opinion that managers in baseball, the really, really good ones, the top five, help you win a little bit, like the Tito Franconas and, you know, some of the old Tony Larusa back in the day. But, like, the bottom five managers they can really harm you if a you, uh, bad bullpen yeah, decision totally. constantly made and stuff like that. But five through twenty-five have well, you, you know impact based on the roster. So, well, you
2: know what, I'm, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it, Vinny, and there's like six or seven games in April or May that were like one-run games that I think a better manager we probably would have won. So I think we probably have seven or eight more wins if we had a good manager. Now that I think about it.
0: That's fair. That's totally fair. And I'm trying to think of a game where Tony LaRusso won for them, the Josh Harrison home run game, because I would have started Mendick at second base. That's it. That's I would have started Mendick at second base in that game. But then again, a day later, he puts in Hazley in center field who helps. Jake
2: Berger, pinch hit home run. That's another one.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. But like... Like a good manager wouldn't have afforded to. You to can't, you can't it count it. On,
2: you can barely fill up your one hand. So, But, but like
0: um, who wouldn't pinch hit Jake Berger over a 200 hitter?
2: Right. Like I mean, like, I, know, it's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm not taking away from Tony La Russa in that instance because uh, I don't know. It's, it's just hard. There are a lot of things wrong, but people blame Rick Hahn as if Rick Hahn has anything to do with anything since 2020 ended. I just find it crazy. Like you think it was Rick Hahn's idea to give Liuri Garcia a three-year deal? I say no shot. Really? I say absolutely no shot.
4: You want to know so. the best part of that three-year deal? This is the last year of it. <laughs>
0: That's true. It's the first and last year of it. They there's Enough no bumps. way. There's no way we bullied them into DFA and Keiko. We'll bully them into DFA and Liuri too.
2: Hey, hey, Zim. How would you describe? Lurie Garcia's season so far and would it possibly coincide with a segment that we have
4: it could I mean I would define it personally as like near all star level but I know that you guys would probably consider it a big fat Adam Dud (laughs) you suck
1: you suck suck stupid, Aussie, no excuse
3: What a dud. What a total, total
2: dud. Ah, yes, the Adam Dud of the week. Uh, The list could probably go on for miles because the team underperformed this week. Uh, Our next segment after this where we talk about the good players, I kind of struggled to find some. So uh, that says a lot about the week that we had. But, gentlemen, I will let you lead things off. Vinny, we'll start with you. Who is your Adam Dud player of the week?
0: I'm going to go with Tim Anderson. He went three for 18, 167 batting average, scored two runs, no RBIs,
2: three strikeouts. Three
0: strikeouts is relatively low for 18 at-bats, but we all know Tim Anderson really doesn't go up there trying to guess whether or not it's going to be a fastball or a curveball or a slider. He's very C-ball, hit ball type of hitter, and I think that's a really good mindset for a leadoff guy. But the Orioles had a plan for him at the top of the order. He wasn't able to impact the first inning – the way that we've seen him impact first innings and the White Sox are not that good when Tim Anderson isn't the Tim Anderson that we know. And coming back from the injury, he had a, I I thought Saturday was a weird placement of the day off personally, but you know, Lenin Sosa got in there for him and it is what it is. But Tim Anderson, he's gotta be the, he's gotta be the straw that stirs the drink. The drink yes. is made nice with the Luis Robert might be the vodka, and you know Jose Abreu might be the cranberry, and Andrew Vaughn might be the sprinkle on top. Or but Tim Anderson's the straw that you need to stir it all together, and he was not that over the last little bit. But you know the injury, the legs, he'll be back. He's Tim Anderson. You know he's got a DQ commercial. I want a DQ commercial. I know I'd be great. I if want I had
2: DQ. A DQ commercial.
0: So even though I think Bryce Harper's sandwich is more of my style because I like spicy food, but I'm not going to give up on Tim Anderson either. I'm going to taste them both and I'll give an honest review, but you know, Tim Anderson, he'll be back with, with Vaughn batting right after him and Robert right after him. The protection for Tim Anderson is unreal. I mean, when's the last time the White Sox had a one through four like that? E- even when they were like really good,
1: I last year and the
0: year before, you could find flaws with, like, their lineup. And this year, one through four is just sick. It's the bottom of the lineup that, like, has kind of stunk. Like, we need Moncada and Sheets and Grendahl. We need all those guys back and going the way that we know that they can so they could take advantage of the pack that is led by Tim Anderson, and hopefully they get that soon.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh will turn it around. I've got good faith. Let's get it started right. tonight, shall we? He does great against the Angels
0: historically. I believe one of his five home runs this season are against the Angels.
2: Look at that! It's a runner on second base for the Angels already. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's turn things over, to Zim Zimmerman. Zim, who you got for your dud this week?
4: Um, I I have to give it to Gio. I mean, Lucas Giolito has just been gross in a bad way this season it's been pitiful when he's been on the mound and it's it's upsetting because like we got rid of Dallas Keuchel because of the exact crap that Giolito is now pulling like it, it's it's not what you expected from him it's not what we want to see and then the performance he puts up last week giving up seven runs like that's just that's not okay you're a professional pitcher you you've got to be better than that like and and at some point there has to be some kind of accountability for it and that's what's frustrating yeah. is is they're so injured and they're so far behind the eight ball from where they expect to be. There's no way to create that sort of accountability. You know, you you need him on the mound right now. Hell, you've got Davis Martin starting games for you right now because you're so injured. So yeah. what are you gonna do? Well, you we
2: bring up a good point. Yeah. Sam, you talk about Giolito and you can continue talking, but I'm going to put up this picture. I'll let you talk about his body language because it's driving me out of my mind.
4: Yeah, he looks like a defeated guy out there. He reminds me of late stage Jay Cutler. He reminds me of when Aaron Rodgers throws an interception. Like he's just a pouty faced little kid right now. And it's like, you got to pull your head out of your ass and get it together. That's not the face of a champion. That's not the face of a winner. That's the face of a guy who's lost and doesn't know what he's doing next. And it's, I'm sure, just as frustrating for him as it is for us. And sure. Yeah. Hearing fans, you know, like us sit here and tear him down, like probably is really defeating for him right now because he knows he's better. But I tell yeah. you what, he just struck out Shohei Otani and made him spin into the dirt with his helmet off his head in the process. I think that's Call, what's so
2: frustrating, right? Maybe
4: right there he gains that confidence back. But now I see him look towards the dugout and he's got that same dead look in his eyes. And it's just like, it's like I, he I, can't figure himself out right now. And, and you know, you're frustrated with him and frustrated on his behalf at the same time.
2: Yeah, it's frustrating to me because he, he, he's got all the talent in the world and that he could have it and be so locked in. And then two seconds later, it looks like he doesn't want to be there. It's kind of weird. It's almost like a poutiness. Vinny, I don't know if I'm completely off base. I know you're a fan of Giolito. so am I. But there's something I I can't put my finger on it. Uh, I know we're kind of going long on Gio here, but I think it's worth the conversation.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely worth a conversation. I I like Giolito because he wears a Chicago White Sox uniform. Sure, like, sure. I I have no agenda on who I want to be good and who I want. You know, you put on that uniform, I cheer for you, and I'll I'll call it like I see it. And in that picture, it's pretty obvious that something was bugging Giolito. Now, here's the thing: I'll say, I have no issues with anything mechanically about Giolito. He's his. The only thing that's an issue for me right now, and I think it's playing a big role, and the velocity's down. So I'm wondering if he's hurt. You know, Giolito, he's not Dallas Keuchel. He's not a soft tosser. That rarely ever works in baseball. Like, even Kyle Hendricks has had his struggles this year. Like, the best pitchers in the league now are pumping out 98, 99, 100, and then mixing in an an 87-mile-an-hour slider or curveball, depending on your handedness, and then working in a changeup. like Giolito is – probably the best in the league at when he's good, you know, working the changeup, And, you know, I just think they brought in Ethan Katz with him in mind and, you know, how it worked for him and can it work for Cease? It did. Can it work for Kopech? It did. Lynn is still coming back from an injury, but I have all the faith in the world in him because he's just kind of mean and throws three different variations of a fastball. But, you know, Vincent brings up that his jersey's soaked first inning. It's SoCal. It's SoCal. And you had to face all those great hitters in the first inning. Like Ward is amazing. He had the leadoff double, like, you know, Shohei Otani. There's the Mike Trouts and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's just, he's one of those guys that I believe is so supremely talented that when he struggles, it's like, how? You're in your mid 20s and you look like that. And that's also like encouraging to me at the same time. Because in 2019, he was sixth in Cy Young voting. In 2020, he was seventh. And last year, he was 11th. Like, all relatively high finishes in Cy Young voting. It's not going to happen this year because of the first half. But I believe he can have that level of performance in the second half. It's all about can he take that talent and get the best out of himself? I think he can.
2: Yeah, and hopefully he gets it together tonight. He got out of that first inning and uh let's keep things chugging along there and
0: let's not forget but. what's on his mind too. He's got a big potential payday coming up. He's not going to get paid if he like goes out there and struggles. So he's just got to relax. Like you're going to get nothing if you like you're going to get something, you're Lucas Giolito. But like you're you're not going to get what you thought if you go out there and you pout about paychecks and talk about stuff like that, like look what happened to all the core of the Cubs, Javi turned <laughs> down 280 million.
2: Yeah. He, he made
0: up. a lot less with the Detroit Tigers and now he stinks. And that's going to be an Albatross contract literally now, but a year from now. So just go out there, relax. You you're cool, man. You're Lucas Giolito. You're Italian. You get to go out there and show off your hairy chest and
2: Gabagool. play on the
0: same team. Yeah, you, you got Vinny cheering for you and Zim going, Gialito, let's go. You play on the same team as Luis Robert, who might be the coolest dude who ever lived. Just go out there, man. It's cool. Pretend it's the 90s. It is
2: cool. And you talked about those guys to get those big paychecks, Vinny. Uh, what kind of guys get the big paychecks? Uh, maybe correlating with a, a certain segment that we might have.
0: Yeah, so Hawk Harrelson was just on a podcast I listened to, Redline Radio, a couple weeks ago, and he had a famous catchphrase. He liked when the ball went deep, he would yell stretch, and he would say, you can put it on the board. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so I really struggled, guys, to make some nominations here for for put-it-on-the-board players this week. Uh, We had some pretty pedestrian stat lines across the board on both pitching and offense. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys choose. I mean, there's a pretty obvious one answer, but um, Zim, I'll let you go first. Who you got for your put-it-on-the-board player of the week?
4: Pass. Pass. Straight up, I'm, I'm, you say there's an obvious one, I don't really care, nobody played well as far as I'm concerned,
2: well, I mean, I mean, I almost decided, I thought about it when I was doing this, and I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do, I'm just going to say, we all sucked this week, but I was like, there had to have been a couple decent performances, and literally, there was a couple,
4: there's. um, if if you if you got to take the big obvious guy, it, it's Dylan C's who like just shut it down in his in his two ridiculous. starts. Ridiculous. Twenty four strikeouts and two starts. That's redonkulous. That's not ridiculous. That's redonkulous. It's a step above that man. There's like, a
2: huge
0: difference between ridiculous and redonkulous. If you yeah. break out redonkulous, you better know your shit.
2: Redonkulous. <laughs> well, yeah.
4: I should probably put redonkulous away then because I talk out my ass a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had a great week though two starts 13 innings 24 strikeouts like i already said and one earned run in those two games like that's just it's so otherworldly he's on another level right now there's a reason we talked about him a whole bunch earlier why i say something's different he's coming into his own he's figuring it out i don't know if that big fuzzy caterpillar on his upper lip is is giving him hints or something if it's a ratatouille situation but it's working.
2: A Ratatouille situation. Man, I cannot get that image out of my head now, man. I like that.
0: I like have a big I don't know if I'm going to call him a put-it-on-the-board player of the week like I would like to, but I liked Gavin Sheets this week. Nice. Um, he went down to AAA. It was a tough situation. Um. I'm worried about a potential Crosstown, Crosstalk, Southburbs, Hitman curse because freaking Sheets sucked. Hendrick was hurt. Jake Berger, we got to be careful with him. We're um, not going to talk about that. <laughs> Um, No, but Gavin Cheeks, he went down, and when he came back up, he's he's actually looked like a competent hitter again. And we saw what he did last year. He had, like, 14 bombs in the last, what, like 60 games of the season? Like, from the All-Star break on, he was incredible. Left-hand power from, you know, for the White Sox, who very much lack left-handed hitting. Most of their left-handed hitters are switch hitters. He's, like, their, you know, natural lefty power hitter. And, you know, I, I like this guy. He's nice. And the other day, it was Saturday, which kind of sucks because it was a waste of performance, but he beat the shift twice. And if you're like a Deadpool left-handed hitter and the other team plays you that hard and you're able to knock it to left field when nobody's standing there and get two piece of crap singles out of it, it's not that big of a deal. and or It's a really good thing. And then, yeah, so the three eighty-five batting average, that's actually better than I thought it was going to be um I just think the home run is like the biggest thing cuz nobody on the White Sox has hit a home run since we last spoken to each other. Yeah. Or I hilarious. think I think the day after someone hit a home run, the Tuesday, they ended a five game home run drought and they need to hit more home runs. And I just think like gavin Cheats, he ended it the drought is over hopefully they're able to hit a couple bombs guaranteed rayfield is supposed to be a launching pad in the summer and it hasn't been for them it's been a great no. launching pad for teams. but you know gavin Cheats, he's looked pretty good lately so hopefully he can keep that up
2: yeah no that's a great call of Vinny. i i didn't i didn't list him just because he only had 13 at bats but i mean he still did well with those at bats so great call out there I, i'm gonna go with jose abreu who's really starting to get hot here uh, again hitting almost 350 for the week you had that homer how do you hit almost 350 in the week and only have two Ribby it's just it's so weird that just shows you how terrible of a week this team had uh two runs scored uh the one walk you know maybe maybe if there was other guys hitting around them we would have had a bit of a better week but uh shout out to Jose Abreu for uh continuing to bring it and I think he will continue to bring it the rest of, well there's not much left in June but the whole month of July. Um, so I love what I'm seeing out of Jose Abreu. I just need some other people to hit.
0: <laughs> if manager had a better week, he'd have more RBI. I mean, that's just like, no doubt, kind of common sense, right? Like,
4: he hits four. That's, that's how this lineup works, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The
2: straw that stirs the drink, right, Vinny?
4: Exactly. Jose Abreu's the cranberry. Ooh, you guys are man. blowing my mind right now. This is insane. The thing you were talking about earlier is just come back full circle. What, what was that? I'm not watching. the, the no the, the, stir, the st- straw that stirs the drink. Like you guys oh, are just yeah. You're so on this. <laughs> well,
2: thank you. No, honestly though,
4: you're you're absolutely right though. That's exactly what Vinny was talking about earlier. It's exactly what I'm trying to say now. Like
2: yeah, I believe that's the how this lineup is
4: constructed. It's made so that it builds on itself. It's why Eloy's injury was such a big deal last year and why it's continuing to be such a big deal this year.
0: Think about 05. Who in the 05 White Sox was a threat to hit a home run every single time they came up
4: to the plate? Jeff Blum.
2: Carl Everett. All
4: right, so now the real answers. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Jeff Blum hit a home run in 100 of his World Series at bats. All right? That's hey. very
0: fair. My favorite part about Jeff Blum is he's the Houston Astros color commentator
2: now. Yeah, and that's the team yeah. the White
0: Sox beat in the World Series thanks to
4: Jeff Blum. That's what he, during- he played for at the beginning of that yeah. season. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think
0: I think I would hate him if I was an Astros fan, but they love him. I, I don't get it. I, I I would hate his guts. Yeah. Um,
2: during but, but during during the. Uh, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought now. I'll it let you go if any lost it, it was
0: Jermaine Dye and Paul Konerko? right? Like those guys hit 30 plus home runs and every regular
2: season, hit. Big Frank.
0: Yeah, but he right. wasn't on he wasn't then he got hurt. hurt the whole year. So like that 05 team.
4: Right. It was, was like, you put Scotty Pods up first just to get on base and hope something happens. Yeah. Right. You put Tatahito Iguchi second because he was Kind of a slap guy. He yep. might hit one out. He probably wasn't gonna. He was usually good to at least get Butsednik over to third, though. Then you got the power coming up to the plate where you put Jermaine Die at three and you put Paulie at four, and all of a sudden things start to get rolling. Then you got Juan Uribe at five, who's who's a Javier Baez type player, where he's got this big long swing, and if he hits it, it's going way away. But if he doesn't hit it, which he usually doesn't, well, you're not too worried about it because he's in your five hole. Not in the your socks. The Sox signed you know I mean? his son, like, by the way. Yes, yeah. Yes, Lein, they did. Which Lein, Lein, is Junior? He's awesome. I'm and then, very and excited to see if that works out. And Joe then you, Cree, you got Cree batting clock. six and seven. Yeah. He's what you don't get him? A- yes. So this this lineup is constructed in a very very similar way, but with more power. And that's what sucks about seeing them hurt so much is that you got Tim Anderson, who's your Scotty Pod's type guy, but he's a little slower and he's got more power, right? You know, and so on and so forth all the way down the lineup. I feel it's a pretty similar situation where the guys are a little stronger but a little less likely to get a hit, and that's just the modern game. But you're absolutely right, Vinny. It's constructed in such a similar way. The straw that stirs the drink is everywhere through this lineup, and it's so frustrating to not see them get it done through either injuries or lack of preparedness or whatever, inconsistency in the lineup. It's true
0: there's no lineup continuity well there has it's been better lately i mean i don't know what the h was on tony's mind earlier in the season but it pretty much has been a steady diet of anderson vaughn robert abreu as the top 4 for the last couple weeks now and you know hopefully once grendal mancado which Mankata will be back tomorrow and um Grindahl, once all those guys are back hitting the ball grendal and moncada were on fire when they got hurt so yeah, we got the straw that, straw that stirs the drink. Tim Anderson, hopefully he's able to get it done. I like comparing the White Sox pitching staff to five too. It's a big four, and if the big four don't roll, they're not going to win anything.
2: Yeah, hey, you got to wake up at some point. But uh, the thing I was going to say about the straw that stirs the drink is, I think Reggie Jackson was the first person to to say that back in the day. I think that's kind of where it uh, where it came from. So little little fact for everybody, but. Our buddy Gonzo, obviously, he's got other things to tend to tonight, but he was kind enough to prepare a segment for us. It's the one he leads every single week, gives us the download on what the White Sox got going on this week. It's a little segment we like to call White Sox Weekly. <laughs>
1: Yo, what up, everybody? It's Gonzo here, and this is White Sox Weekly. And um, the White Sox began the road stretch here this week with the first stand Monday through a Wednesday versus Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Game one on Monday is going to be Lucas Giolito versus Noah Sindengard. Both are, gosh, really great arms, great right-handed pitchers going up against it at each other. Gio's looking to bounce back this season after a rough stretch as of lately. Um, Game two is undecided for the Los Angeles Angels. Possibly it's going to be Ditmier, but uh, White Sox are going to throw out there Johnny Cueto, who's looking to uh, have another quality start for us on his beautiful performances as of lately. And uh, game three is going to be Moist Michael versus Shohei Atani. And Shohei is the showcase, of course, out on the west coast of the MLB. And uh, it's going to be a great series versus the Angels, who have been... Playing 500 baseball um, lately themselves, so let's see what the uh, the boys can do on the road in Anaheim. Series of the road trip is going to be Friday through Sunday. Game one is going to be Lance Lynn versus Alex Cobb. Again, two interesting right handed right handers going up against each other. Cobb has had a good stretch in Tampa in his recent years, um, but other than that, Lance Lynn's looking to continue his stretch of good outings. Um, he needs to finish strong, though, as of lately, he hasn't been able to finish strong in his outings. Um, game two is going to be Dylan Cease, the ace, up against Webb of the Giants, and Webb's having a good season for himself. Um, game three is going to be Discofani versus uh, Lucas Giolito. Um, some interesting points here to note in the first series versus Angels. Um, Trout, all-star bail center fielder, He's having an amazing stretch for the Angels watch his bat. And for the Giants, it's going to be um, Jock Peterson, who truly is an outfielder that Han could have grabbed this offseason. And he's in the all-star ballot for the Giants um, as of right now. Um, Guys, this is going to be a hell of a trip coming on the road. Let's see if the boys can play above 500 baseball and win both series. Guys, back to you.
2: Thank you, Gonzo. Appreciate the report on the week ahead. Like I said last week, I want to get a little Gonzo and just kind of put him in my pocket. Uh, you know, I, I still want that to happen. We'll, we'll see. Maybe next time I wear a, a shirt with a pocket here, I'll get a little cut out of him and put him in there. But uh, during Gonzo's report, why don't you talk about it, Zim? Because it's very Conseco vibes from Gavin Sheets.
4: Well, it's it's under review right now, so it may not stand up, but. While uh, while we were playing that little clip from our buddy Gonzo, there was a deep drive into right field as our right fielder, Gavin Sheets, you know, all all world right fielder out there. Definitely not a first baseman, just stuck out in right field by necessity, but a guy who knows the position inside and out tracks it all the way back to the warning track and it bounces out of his glove and onto the fence as they signal home run. Uh, They are reviewing it right now. It may not stand, but it's a pretty embarrassing moment there for a moment.
0: What do you do if it doesn't stand, though? Because the guy came around to score anyway. Because, but at the same time, the White Sox did slow down because the umpire was going like this. It turns into a fan but it didn't clearly it
4: did not. It did not. It turns into a dead ball situation and the runner is awarded the last base he touched before the dead ball situation was put in effect. So in this case, I believe they'll put him back at third base. Um, With a run
0: one, nothing that. lead.
4: Yes. Yes. So yeah. the, the first run will come around to score cause that would have scored regardless. Yeah. They're putting him back at third base because again, that's where he had advanced to by the time the White Sox had given up on the play. So that's, that's embarrassing stuff. That's why Baltimore won three out of four. Yeah. It's stuff like this. I mean, you guys want to talk about that. You don't put it on Han and I'm sorry to backtrack here, but this play just brings it up. We talk about not wanting to put it on Han but he had the opportunity to build this team out, to acquire some outfielders, to acquire some depth. You know, I I know it's not the end all be all, but MLB.com ranks this as the worst farm system in baseball right now. I think that's far from true. You know, Oscar Colas, Lennon, Sosa, Colson Montgomery, Jake Berger, you know, there's all kinds of names that we can throw out there that contradict that statement. However, he could have done more to solidify this lineup, to really take a world series contender and bump them up to the point where they can withstand a couple injuries. And instead, as Gonzo mentioned, Jock Peterson is playing for the giants. There are multiple other guys. Who, who's, who's the guy that wound up in Cleveland? Was it uh, Nelson Cruz? They were about to sign and then decided he was too expensive. Somebody along those lines.
2: Uh I'm not sure, but I can tell you. Probably was he
4: ended up with Washington, but they'll
0: flip him at some point, right?
2: Yeah, it could. uh, Although it is the anniversary of uh, the so-called trade for Eduardo Escobar that never happened.
4: Yeah, so it's just such an idiot. Plays like that just drive that point home that like the Sox could have done a lot more this off season. I know there was the lockout and everything, but a lot of other teams improved and found ways to get better. I know the Yankees sure did.
2: No fundamentals. (laughs) Just like the Yankees
4: always do. Yeah, the Yankees did it smartly, though. Instead of just
0: buying people, this time, like they traded for Josh Donaldson, who I hate, Josh Donaldson. He's a douche, but he had a big home run today that put them ahead. So, like you know, the Yankees have been doing it a little bit on the smarter side lately, rather than just flaunting their money too, which is why they have 50 wins already and the White Sox are barely over 30.
2: That's right. And uh, speaking of wins, pick to click guys. Uh, we <laughs> certainly had a rough week across the board. I had to pick a winner though. Uh, I had Andrew Vaughn, Gonzo had Luis Robert, Zim you went with TA and Vinny you went with Jake Berger. So Luis Robert had the most RBI and most electricity out of all those guys. So, I'm going to give it to Gonzo. I think everyone would agree. Um, so I, I, I text Gonzo what he, who he wants for his pick to click. And he is going to go with, well, actually before that, here's the updated standings. Gonzo with four, Vinny with three, Zim with two, and I only have one. So that's where we stand. Uh, Gonzo, though, going to go with Tim Anderson this week. I uh, want to point out to you guys as well, Uh, audience, we are not doing a show on the 4th of July next week. So this pick is going to be for two weeks. So keep that in mind, gentlemen, when you're making your pick here. So uh, Tim, uh, Gonzo going to go with Tim Anderson. Uh, Let's see. Next honorable mention, I'd say the next one was probably Andrew Vaughn out of those guys with the best week. So I guess I will go next. If he's taking Tim Anderson, uh, I'm trying to think long run here gio has got two starts this week. I feel like going with a pitcher is probably a risky thing for two weeks stretch. Um, Cease, I feel like is, is no way he could be his world beater as he's been for the next couple weeks. So I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, I think I'm going to go with the hot hand in Jose Abreu is my pick. So Jose Abreu for me. Uh, then Vinny, you had Jake Berger, so I'm gonna have you go next. Who you got for pick to click?
0: I will take Yohan Moncada. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because he's coming back tomorrow, and he's gonna be sick.
2: Uh, all right.
4: I I, 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 I hope knew he he's coming. Six, then he goes back on the IL. Ah. <laughs>
2: Funny.
0: I uh, say pick for everything. And like every now and then someone like makes that joke and I laugh at it every time. Cause I say stuff and I say stuff is sweet and like, it's just part of my like weird lingo. Cause I'm kind of weird and yeah, that's it.
2: Wow, dude. I like it. I like the ballsy pick. It could pay off for you big time. It leaves a lot of options on the table for Zim with, with fourth pick. Uh, You know, Zim, who are you going to go with here, dude?
4: Well, I want to thank Gonzo for taking Tim Anderson off the table because I keep getting tempted to pick him, and he keeps letting me down. (laughs) Fair. Uh, I I wish that Dylan Cease got a third start, but unfortunately, he only gets two starts in these next two weeks, and that's just not quite enough for me to want to put my hat on there. So let's see. Who's off the board? We got –
2: We got a Brave and and Brazen.
4: Okay. Well, default then, Luis Robert.
2: I I had a feeling I already had that typed in for you, and then (laughs) you backed me up big time there. So at
4: at, at this point in the year, like, and the way this team's been playing, (laughs) if you get the chance to pick Luis Robert, he's the safest pick on the team this year.
2: Yeah. No bad options here, guys. No bad options. So we'll see. You know, what happens? Uh, great, What's great funny, picks.
4: First week of the season, if you'd have shown these four guys as our picks to click Moncada, Anderson, Abreu, and Robert, we'd be like, yeah, no crap. Those are the four guys you pick. And right now, it feels like, oh, I don't really know about that right now with all four of them. <laughs> I thought about
2: taking AJ Pollock, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe he'll heat up here again, too. Maybe I'll regret not taking him. I hope I do. Frickin' Moncada,
0: he's such a toolsy player. I've never seen a toolsy player suck more. Like, he is so good at baseball, and he's so physically gifted, and he sucks, and I just can't wait. I, I hope one day he starts to put those tools to his advantage because he can hit for power. He can hit for contact. He can run. I've seen him score from first on a ball that didn't go that far. Like he, he could play really good defense at third base. Um, what's the other tool I'm missing? I don't even know. Like he's just, he's so good. And he's been so good. Like he went to triple a and dominated so hard because he's so good. And then he gets to the majors and it's almost like he's so intimidated that he's like a first grader who got moved up to third grade. Cause he's so smart, but he doesn't use that knowledge to his own advantage. And I get just, <sighs> Bugs me so much. He's the most frustrating player to ever put on a White Sox uniform because yeah. I believe he can be as good as Luis Robert. The tools are all there. When he strikes out, it's pretty. The swing yeah. is magnificent. His body—it's like I'm not trying to get all weird, but like he's just a specimen. And it just bugs me that he sucks so bad. And I don't think it's going to last forever.
2: Yo, I'm not. S- would you say it's a disaster personnel?
0: His career so
2: far is a
0: desastre persona, no doubt whatsoever. I don't know Spanish. Maybe that's what he's actually singing. Me yeah, desastre persona. It's a great song. I listen to it yeah, all personal. the time. I, I, I want is. people to want to listen to Desastre persona. If he was batting 300 with an 870 OPS and had 15 bombs right now, that song, like MLB would use that song to their advantage. Like He's just so wonderful in so many ways and for some reason he just hasn't gotten it done and it's so frustrating uh listen chris sale was my favorite player he was traded for mancada and copeck those are the two jerseys i bought of like the modern day white Sox players like if you go to a white Sox game with me i'm either unless it's a sunday because i'll wear something different on sundays but if it's a regular game Monday through Saturday, I'm either wearing my black Moncada jersey or my white Kopech jersey, and those are my guys, and I want them to do good. That's why I have no problem talking crap about Moncada. He's got to be better. He's got be, <clears throat> he to be.
2: How many views do you think that music video has for Disaster which I was just playing on YouTube.
0: Oh, it's probably got three million.
2: it's, yeah, got, it's, it's got one. Than, it's one and a half million.
4: One, that's a lot. That's, that's that's like not, I don't know. That's a weird number to me. I was expecting either like 300,000 or like 3 million, you know, like either a little or a lot for, for somebody of his status. One and a half million. That's like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's kind of upsetting. Yeah.
0: Did you see the brawl between
4: the the angels that video
0: on Twitter got 4.5 4.5 million views.
2: Yeah. Did you I see the that.
0: suspensions that came down from that?
4: Oh, well, we haven't players,
0: about right? That. I figured we would at some point. because It's it's a whole
4: list. I, do we have time right now, Joe, to touch on that? Or you want to yeah, wait until yeah. the let's, close let's, of
2: the show? That, no, no, let's get into it. The next thing we have on yeah. the dock, it's guaranteed take. We're running at a pretty good time today, so let's do it.
0: You want the list? Yeah, yeah so... Let's... Let's see. I, I got it for you. If you i got to see if I can find
2: the video of the brawl. Hang on. I'm going to find it while you guys, one of you guys set it up. I'll find the video.
4: If you scroll, yeah, so my, there is, scroll down my uh, Twitter page a little bit, you'll find it easy. There is a litany of suspensions here. So, uh, leads off with Phil Nevin getting a ten, 10 game suspension. 10 game suspension. Which, let's see, what is it for? Received a 10 game suspension for the intentional throwing by pitcher Andrew Wentz while warnings were in place. Right? So Jesse Winker gets the next biggest one. Go, go figure. He was at the crux of the whole thing. He gets a seven-day suspension. Rendon gets five-day suspension. He was the one really swinging. If, if you watch this video, he's the one going through and really teeing off on guys. Um, And then a whole bunch of coaches got big suspensions through this whole thing, too. But then we yeah. got, let's see. uh. Mariners shortstop J.P. Crawford, five games. Angels pitcher, Andrew Wance, three games for the actual... He's the guy who threw the pitch. Uh, Angels pitcher, Ryan Tapera, three games. Angels pitcher, Raycio Iglesias, two games. Mariners outfielder, Julio Rodriguez, two games. Angels bench coach, uh, Angels major league interpreter, and Angels catching coach, all with one and two game suspensions. I mean, that's what's... Shocking to me, and honestly a little upsetting by the Angels organization, is all the coaches that are disciplined in this. And the translator, the translator. That's and Rendon, who's out for the season.
0: (laughs) Rendon's out for the season. Yeah, Rendon's five game suspension is for next season because he's out for the rest of this season. Oh Oh, wow! Yeah, he he had some kind of surgery. It's already an albatross contract for them too. But, yeah. Um yeah, he's out for the season too. And I just think it's funny that they like slapped five games on him as if his his baseball life wasn't tough enough right now. <laughs> you know, but you know yeah. Shohei Otani, if you watch this video a little bit, like he's got the most polite like defending of his teammates of all time. I love that guy. Yeah. He, he's so wonderful. He's just so great off the field and on the field could, like
4: "Could you please leave my teammates alone, please? Please. Yeah, hey, can, hey, can, hey, please can, sir, no. sir, sir, sir." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so great. So great.
4: Yeah. Oh, Tapera uh,
0: too. The fact that an old White Sox friend out for the series, the White Sox don't have to see him look like you know, Cy Young himself out there. Yeah, that, right. that's kind of nice because he would have came in and locked them down. Just like when the White Sox play the Dodgers, I'm so scared because Craig is gonna come in, go three up, three down, and close out a win for him. <laughs> Probably. We also,
4: we just talk about the fact we've been talking about this fight for like three minutes now. Joe's been playing the video this whole time. It's still it, it's, going. Especially for anybody who's listening and not actually watching on YouTube. Um, by the way, you can listen to our podcast anywhere that you download podcasts, Apple Podcasts, oh, yeah. Spotify, Podbean, etc. Um, but for those of you listening who can't actually see it, like this fight has been going on this whole time. It, it, it was a whole ordeal. If you haven't seen the video, uh, like Vinny said, it's got like four and a half million views on Twitter. So everybody else has seen it. You need to go catch up with the rest of the baseball community.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy stuff, man. Uh, baseball's a hell of a sport.
4: <laughs> that might actually be the wildest fight I've seen in a baseball game since the Cubs-White Sox brawl back in, what was that, 07, 08? Oh, yeah, because oh, no, normally baseball six. brawls are like oh,
0: a bunch of hold me back kind of guys. Like, hold me back. Yeah, bro. yeah. But like this one had like actual punches thrown and yes. got really violent. Like it looked like it looked like your local tavern at two in the morning after a couple yeah. of bottles were you know slaughtered in the in the seats and you know it looked like it looked like, like Rayfield's bleachers on a Saturday night game <laughs> against the Tigers.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it, boys.
4: Yeah, just we had that we had that incident a few years ago that led to the rule change with uh, Odor and. um Batista. Batista, and but that was just one punch. It was like one punch, and then a bunch of hold me back, hold me back. Like you were talking about, Vinny, and yeah, yeah th- this was the f- first uh, first full brawl I've seen since since that Cubs Socks incident.
2: We need more uh, fights in baseball.
4: I don't know about that.
2: <laughs>
4: I enjoy them.
0: I, I, the suspensions make me not want them.
4: Yeah, that's, that's just true. it. I right. mean look at the number of guys on the Angels. I mean, if the Angels lose this series against our Sox, you could easily say it's a direct result of that brawl. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination at all. So when when you could see it have direct effect. Now, thankfully for the Angels they're going up against the White Sox right now, so it might turn out to be kind of a wash for them, but we'll see. You know, if if you get into an incident like that and then you've got a divisional opponent the next day and then you end up losing the division race by three games, like all of a sudden that one stupid little fight cost you a division championship. You missed the playoffs altogether because you couldn't keep your hands off somebody. So
2: I love it, man. And uh, we're going to keep the show chugging. We're going to get into a little bit of a debate and a hot topic conversation in this week's Guaranteed Take.
4: Yay!
2: That beat just makes me want to do the Macarena every single time I hear it, you know?
0: You know, I don't I've, know if i ever wanted to bop my head to a little jam more in my whole life. Yeah. Like if you want to tell me something, play a nice little tune like that. I'll be at your store the next day. Maybe bring some friends. It'll be a good time.
2: Sounds like it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, I pose a question to you gentlemen this week for the guaranteed take. Does the Danny Mendick injury force the White Sox to make a deal for a second baseman? Or do they stay put at the deadline? I know a lot of that has to do with their record. Vincent Parisi, do the White Sox need a second baseman?
0: As we get closer to the trade deadline, I will reach out to my friend who I like to ask about inside stuff when it comes to the White Sox. I'm not there yet just because I don't think the White Sox are there yet either. If Eloy comes back, after the all-star break and his first two weeks are sick and Josh Harrison continues to play okay because he was bad to start the year and that makes people think that he's still bad now. He's been okay in the last month or so. Um if they show that they can be a little bit healthy and some of the guys from the minor leagues like Lenin Sosa and you know maybe they give Yobert Sanchez a chance at some point, he's been really kicking butt down in triple a jake berger stays well then i could see them addressing pitching first and foremost but i mean if every position on the diamond is contributing offense and playing good defense except for a couple positions here and there like gavin sheets will never be a good outfielder like that's what you get for treating your offseason like two first basemen can be your outfielders but um it's just it's one of those things that's like, we'll see. I would, but I would also, I I would go all in. Like you have Robert, Grandal, Abreu, Anderson. Like you have all these guys right now. Giolito, Copec, Cease. These next three years would be my quote unquote window. And then after that, you deal with it from there. I would do that if I were the White Sox. I probably wouldn't trade Colson, Montgomery or Coles. But outside of that. You know I'm open for business if I'm Rick Hahn. Last year the Braves acquired Peterson and Soler and Rosario and all those guys were sick for them and they, they got it done replacing Ronald Acuna Jr., who's a yeah. top five player in baseball. And I, I, I would I would get two more relievers and a second baseman. So I, I'm going to say yes.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm pretty in line with you there, Vinny. I I think we need a second baseman. Um, Do I think the White Sox are going to be able to land Jazz Chisholm? I don't think they have the pieces to do it. Um, But, you know, who knows? Maybe Rick Hahn finds a way to make it happen. You eat a lot of his contract. You let them, I don't know, you figure something out. Uh, I I think we need a reliever as well. I'd love to see a solid reliever addition, at least one. I'm with you there. Uh, But definitely need second base help. Zim, do the White Sox need to trade for at least a second baseman?
4: Um, maybe. I'm of the opinion right now that if if they don't write the ship soon, I'm talking back above 500 by the time we have another podcast. I don't think they should be buying anything at the or at the deadline. In fact, I think they should be selling and looking forward to next year. I think that if they can't figure this out for this season, if they can't start putting wins together and not just a a, a a couple wins against a good team here and there, but I'm talking consistent, like they were doing at the beginning of the season, two out of three in just about every series, you know, take two out of three at home and go 500 on the road. If they can't start doing that, it's time to sell. It's time to, you know, Geo's not been good. So what do you do? You get rid of him and take what you can hoping that somebody sees his upside and is willing to pay him and you don't have to so that you can go get other pieces next year. Do you, you know, as hard as it would be for Sox fans, Jose Abreu is not getting any younger and his production is still pretty good. Do you see what you can do there? You know, same with you on Moncada. Berger might not be the best on defense, kind of a butcher in the field, honestly, but he's a lot more solid at the plate lately. Do you hope that somebody sees what the Sox once saw in Moncada? I know it's kind of a dark path to go down and I'm acting like all is lost when we're not even halfway through the season. But with a trade deadline, that's as early in the year as the, as the MLB trade deadline is. These are the kinds of questions that the White Sox should be having internally and that I hope that they are having internally, that they're kind of figuring out like, this might not be the year. I'm not saying that it's not the year, but you have to be open to the idea that it's not the year. And you have to make some pretty definitive choices when it comes to the all-star break. You, you, or, you. All-star break. I keep saying all-star break, but trade deadline, you know, they're, they're two weeks Sure, apart. sure. Um, if you don't act decisively and quickly in those two weeks, your whole season can completely go off the rails. And, I mean, we've seen some teams legitimately fall apart. I mean, we're not talking just the season. We're talking 2016 Cubs fall off. Huh. Because guess what? They made a few deals at a deadline that led them to lose a whole bunch of players inevitably or in the end, you know? And it was all because oh. of a couple deadline deals. The Cubs fell off because their core started to suck. Their core did and, start to suck, but they didn't, didn't have the River. pieces to back it up. Yeah,
0: exactly. The White Sox if, don't suck because Luis Robert, Abreu Anderson, those guys have been great. The White Sox are the Padres of last year. Like, sure. And they're so good That's this true. year. Like, even but at yeah, what I, point, I agree with you completely.
4: At what point do you say, like, okay, these guys are good, but they're never healthy? You know, That's- you could have the best team in the world. You you can have you can have you know a team of Hall of Famers, but yeah. if they're all injured, who freaking cares? New training like, and, staff. And, That's kind of the point that I'm getting to with the Sox where I'm like, I don't think that we overrate them, but they're never all healthy at the same time. If they are, it's for a week, (laughs) you know? And, and so that's why I say like this, this team has to start making some decisive choices. They have to start making them with a purpose and they have to start doing it. Like they mean it for, for lack of a better way to put it. They, there has to be some sort of definitive conclusion to what's happening with this team. And right now it's all so up in the air and it has been for three years now.
0: I have a question for you and it's a legitimate concern on my part. Cause I agree with everything you're saying. I, I at one point when Eloy g- first got hurt, I was like, we're really doing this again. Mm-hmm. Like at what point do you try and get like a pitcher for him? Like a sick pitcher from a team that's not contending. That'll be okay with him being injured for half of this season. But then I think, To like some other sports and even it's happened in baseball, but the one that sticks out with me the most is like people talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins trading Sidney Crosby after he got hurt in 2010 and he missed like the better part of two full seasons yeah and like Evgeny Malkin took over he was the best player on their team they were still a contender but they weren't what they'd be with Sid the people literally
4: derailed championship hopes that that organization had yes exactly but they didn't trade
0: him and when he came he finally found a way to stay healthy and then they won the cup again in 2016 and 17 and I'm just like you know what would the Penguins have looked like if they gave in to injury pressure early in Sid's career? And I'm like, okay, well, what if Eloy, and Eloy Jimenez is not to baseball what Sidney Crosby is to hockey at all. (laughs) Sidney Crosby is a top five player ever. But what if they traded him and he goes to like the Dallas Stars and goes on to have this top five career after he figures out a way to get healthy. Now you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. You traded him because he was hurt two years in a row. And it's like, it is just such a scary thought to think about trading Moncada or trading Jimenez trading, you know, if Robert got hurt again, people would start saying the same thing, like the thought of trading these guys and then them getting healthy elsewhere and becoming the stars that the tools that they possess allow them to become that scares the crap out of me.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Like, and, and and that is a line that you walk when doing this, but, but that's what I talk about. Like with the ambiguity of it all, like, are you going to ride it out with these guys? That's great, but you got to get some depth then. So that's where your decisive action comes in here, right? That's what I'm talking about with all this. I'm not talking about necessarily selling the farm and starting over from scratch, but when I say, You know, and and this is a better way to put it, taking decisive action. Okay, if these are the guys, show them they're the guys. Let's put an infrastructure in place so that, hey, we know you're coming back. We know that you're just hurt, but we need this guy to help us get through the rest of this year. Right? So we're going to go out and we're going to get, I don't know. Chris likes him a lot. Charlie Blackman, Charlie Blackman. Yeah. He's old. Yeah. He doesn't hit well, but he's a better right fielder than what they got right now. Yeah. He's expensive, but guess what? He's out of that contract in another year or two. And you got a good backup in the meantime, you know, an expensive backup, but again, it's better than what you got right now. Something along those lines though, you go out, you get a guy and you say, this is what we're doing. Instead of this whole holding pattern that we've been in for three seasons.
2: Yeah. Uh, they got to do something. We're calm. We're looking at you. So work your magic, buddy. We'll see
4: what Jazz you can do. Jazz Chisholm isn't happening.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna, Probably not.
0: I'm no, gonna but <laughs> trading him. My piece on trading him did well. Thank you, yes. Jazz.
4: Thank you, <laughs> Jazz. I love him. I think he would be a fantastic fit with this team, but what would you have to give up to get him? <laughs> It's just not
2: too much. Game. Yeah. Did you see he I
0: named tell you what? The guy way. playing
4: second base right now is part of that deal. If you if you make it, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: The the jersey he named as his favorite, his favorite City Connect is the one you're wearing. Someone asked him. He goes, Southside. <laughs> I'm like, let's go, Jazz. Come on and wear that jersey, man. Every Monday home game. You can wear that jersey, Jazz. Yeah, you know, he has family way. around here, too. Not a lot of people know that
4: he has a lot of family in the Chicago land area. Well, look, if he ever hits free agency, I'm sure that the white Sox will be towards the top of his list.
0: Yes. 100% the, the, but the we got to wait how many years for
4: that? Yeah. A lot, <laughs>
0: which that's what to a to do. he'll
4: hey. be at the Adam Dunn point of his career. Speaking of the jersey I'm wearing right now, number seven, congratulations nice. to Tim Anderson, who just swiped his 100th career bag.
2: Hey, Timmy. Nice job, buddy. Come back, come around and score, will you? There
4: you oh, go. And 101. <laughs>
2: that a boy. T.A., swiping bags and stealing hearts. Um, <laughs> wow, that, that's actually a poorly timed – joke we'll we'll go ahead and leave that for another conversation for another day but (laughs) i want to get to uh we got through all the 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 meat and bones of the show we always do a little something fun at the end and all three of you have been to a ball game in the last year Vinny and i more recently than you, Zim. but that's okay uh specifically at at guaranteed rate wondering if you guys have your favorite little game day tip for a, a fan going to the game whether it's your first time or you've been there a bunch of times, if there's one little tip that you could share with somebody. I know there's a lot of things in this park. There's a lot of things people don't know. There's a lot of hidden gems. Um, I'll let you two mull on it for a second. I'll, I'll go first here, I suppose. The And I know it's a new name now. It used to be the Revolution Bar. Now it's the Visi the View Bar. Uh, get there when gates open. Go up there. They have seats that are facing the field that are elevated that you could be sitting anywhere on the 100 level. You could have one of the worst seats in the 100 level. You could be sitting in, you know, 155. You could be behind a pole, whatever. You get there, you walk up there before the game as early as you can. First come, first serve. Pop your, pop your ass in one of those seats. You're not going to want to leave. It's, it's arguably one of the best views in the park. And uh, highly, highly recommend it. There's also a Frank Thomas pinball machine in there, an old school Frank Thomas pinball machine from the 90s. Uh, it hasn't been plugged in. I wonder if they plugged it in this year. I don't know. Vinny, was it plugged in when you were up there?
0: Um, I honestly don't recall. I went up there earlier this season, and it was because I was freezing. And so I yeah. kind of just like went in, went by the window, froze they were losing by six to freaking seattle like you know it was one of those types of games it was literally like 20 degrees it was as cold as i've ever been at guaranteed right field so i honestly don't recall but we're gonna have to take a look when we go
2: yeah we will and and they just they need to plug that back in because that is a time portal to frank thomas time baby the big hurt uh if you're there go check out the pinball machine he is the greatest player in team history. I I agree, Vinny. But that's a little tip. They also have little food. They got food from like a little bit more upscale food in there. They got kind of like chef food, like fancy pretzels and stuff. And, of course, you got that. Vinny, I haven't been up there since it's the Vizzy Bar. Do they also have beer and stuff up there still?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a full bar up there. I'm not sure if they have like Vizzy on tap like they did have Revolution on tap. I know some of these fancy schmancy places are able to have like seltzers and stuff like that on tap now. And instead of just getting it in a can, but I, I'm wondering if they're just throwing out the cans of it, but yeah, the full blown bar is still up there with the traditionals, obviously guaranteed Rayfield is a Miller light uh, stadium. Now they got Miller light, you know, all, all the stuff that comes from the Miller course company. So yeah, sure, that place is awesome.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. So that's, that's a little tip for your back pocket. Uh I'll go ahead and toss to you, Vinny and Zim. I'll let you stew on it since you were only at a couple, but we did some fun stuff. But Vinny, what do you got?
0: Yeah, so for the White Sox game in particular, I really like Shy Sox Bar and Grill. And that place it's right next to the stadium, just directly uh north of the stadium. You get in there, there's a lot of seats. Like you really, oh, yeah. I've never really had a hard time. Like, oh, 15 minute wait for your tape. Like, no, there's always like, it's weird because a stadium that's about to be 30,000 pack, you'd think like there'd be a little bit of a wait to sit at the dope restaurant right next door. But no, it, like you can pretty much always walk in. They got good food. The alcohol two selection levels. is unreal. Yeah. There's two levels to it. The alcohol selection is unreal. It's where you'll find the most friendly of the fan base, in my opinion. You're walking sure. in there. People are admiring whatever jersey you chose to wa- wear that day. And everyone's, you know, checking out what kind of food you're eating. Like, hey, you know, those nachos look pretty good over there. Like, that guy's eating. I'm going to get those. Like, it's and just Gabe's that in there of, all the time. Yeah, that's where I met Gabe. And, you know, I've met Gabe twice in my life. And one of the times was in Shy Socks Bar and Grill. So he likes to go in there and dummy some nachos before going in. And if Gabe likes nice. to do something, that should make you want to do it. Definitely. Um, I I really enjoy that place. And then if you're like – if there's not a giveaway, right? Like let's say there's nothing that you you need to be at the front door for early before everybody else, you can leave like right at the start of game time. Like once you start hearing some fireworks, you can pay your tab and move on into the stadium really quickly because all you got to do is exit out the north entrance and you're right next to the entrance of the stadium. That's so it, it. It's just, right it, in. It's so convenient and not a lot of people know about it. To me, it's the best alternative to tailgating. Um, so that's my tip. My other tip for general baseball games in general, don't treat it like it's a big hassle to go to baseball games. I have family members who are like, you know, they they think they got to plan a baseball game like two months in advance and like it's this hard thing to get there and it's going to be impossible and we're going to have so much stress. No, it's so easy. They make it Enjoy so it. easy for you. Oh, I'll, I'll throw this one out there too because – it's. I think it's exclusive to Guaranteed Rate Field right now, and it didn't apply last year. There were those guys walking around with the vests. They like went to Walmart and bought some neon colored vests, and they're selling parking to spots that aren't theirs in the apartment complexes, and they're getting they're, they were scamming people, and this was a big problem last year. So Guaranteed Rate Field to contradict what was going on outside the stadium made all parking prepaid. And it kind of is an inconvenience, but at the same time, they are sparing anybody from getting scammed. If you didn't use your credit card in lot E, which is like the farthest one, or you didn't pay for it ahead of time, you are not being sold a legitimate parking spot. Don't do it. Don't fall for it like those guys who last year they got out of their car and I started smelling some stuff from their car. I'm like, I understand why these guys got scammed, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, don't fall for it. It's not worth it. Prepay your parking early. It's the same price, it's convenient. You could do it from the comfort of your own home. Have your buddy in the back seat who doesn't have to worry about driving do it the one who copped the ride off you free of charge you're not asking them for that's gas right. even though it's five something ask that guy to do it prepay your parking i think it's a huge help
2: that's a great tip Vinny. yeah that that's uh parking this year it's a big change as of last year and a lot of people are upset about it but uh, it helps with that don't park anywhere that looks suspicious there's really only official lots are where you should go and there's only one other place that I would probably trust, and that's parking at 35th Street Red Hots um, just because those guys are there and they they literally watch the cars the entire time. I have no idea what they charge. They're not a sponsor. I'm just flat out saying the only places I would trust. Um, so great call-outs, Vinny. Zim, have you had enough time to stew and think of a tip?
4: Oh, yeah. It's funny, actually. I had some friends uh, go to their first Sox games at the, at the rate uh, Friday. Um, so I was actually doling out what little advice I had for them, uh, before the game, but I got to say my favorite bit that I always remind people about is the craft cave or I know it's changed names now, but, um, you know, whatever it's called now, the section underneath one Oh eight with yeah. the little craft brewery area. Um, the craft cave, is it still the craft cave? Okay. I no, thought it no underwent- things, actually, they yeah. I thought with the Bud Light takeover. They did.
2: It is yeah. it is now called the Lining Google Craft Lodge. That's the
4: right. Craft Lodge. Lodge. There yes. you go, Jim. Sorry. I remember Alyssa told us, and I totally could not remember. But the Craft Lodge then, that's See, my they, number they, one.
2: They tip. they flipped it because remember I predicted it would be the, the Lining Google Island, and then it was going to be the Miller Bullpen Bar again. And yeah, 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 yeah. They, they did a little flipsy.
4: Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Um, but yeah, so if you're in the stadium and wander around the outfield until you get to right field and you see the, uh, the L, the L train car out in the outfield, and then you just go down into that section and underneath that section, there's a whole bar, full service bar and the coolest part about it. Yeah. And restaurant and restaurant. They
2: still have burgers, right?
4: Uh, they did last (laughs) year, you know, I haven't, I haven't been since last season, so. But the reason I I love this little tip is because you get to watch a whole game from field level for the price of your regular admission. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And the really cool part is if you find a decent place to stand and the waitstaff's in a good mood and you're not being a jerk, they'll even just bring you beer while you stand there and watch the game. They'll bring you food while you stand there and watch the game. Yeah, you got to tip them, which you don't really have to do at a lot of the other stalls but I mean, you should anyway. So it's kind of a wash in the end. Um, But yeah, it it was awesome. Uh, uh, You know, Joe and I had a lot of fun at the game we went to. Um,
2: Lance Lynn didn't.
4: And Joe showed me, no, he did not. And Joe showed me a lot of different parts of the park. The next day, the only part of the park I saw was the craft cave because I went down there and realized, wait, I can just stand here and watch a whole game. Well, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm literally six feet from the field so i i stood down there waitstaff came around they fed me beers and and brats all game long the only time i had to leave the uh little craft cave area was uh to use the restroom
2: no diapers
4: no no uh i don't uh travel (laughs) with
2: those you don't dabble
4: (laughs) but uh the only downside to it is you got to stand the whole time unless you sit inside but hey here's the cool part if you sit inside you can still see the game and it's air conditioned so
2: winner winner chicken winner winner chicken dinner that's
4: kind of it and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of home runs hit out that way too so you know if you're into that sort of thing you always got a chance right there that's it all man. them wall scrapers land right there so uh,
2: well all great tips from the south Burb set man across the board dynamite stuff tonight gentlemen uh, but want to talk a little bit about what we got coming up on the Barroom Network tomorrow night. You got Dan and Aldo bear their souls. Uh, topics for the show. Greg Gabriel recently revealed why the Chicago Bears chose Cedric Benson over Aaron Rodgers. Dan and Aldo will discuss and look back on all those Lovey Smith years. Uh, that's going to be a great show tomorrow night. Don't miss it.
4: Spoiler alert. It's because the Bears are stupid and a poorly run organization. And have well, I, been since nineteen eighty-six.
2: Well, it seems like we're gonna get some some fun reactions from Dan and Aldo tomorrow night. I can guarantee you you're not gonna want to miss that. Vinny, the Stanley Cup final, the Avalanche won the cup. Are you guys still doing bar down this week to talk about it?
0: Yeah, bar down's not going anywhere. It's gonna become it's gonna become two guys talking junk for the whole summer. No, I'm kidding. Like, yeah, we're going to stick around all summer, but um, on Wednesday, we're going to recap the Stanley cup final. I have one big guest in my back pocket that I'm waiting to reveal to the world. Um, when I can confirm that he will be on, it will be at some point over the summer. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would no, love to kidding. have all you guys on. Um, we're going to recap the Colorado avalanche. We'll probably talk about them pretty much the whole show, you know, stuff that went on with the cup and what it's going to mean going forward. And then you got the draft free agency, all the summer shenanigans, stories, you know, talking about past stuff. It's going to be a long, fruitful summer for the hockey fans. And everything does kind of die over the summer when it comes to hockey. And, you know, I'm going to be there. So if you like hockey and you don't want it to go away, I'm your guy because Bardown's not going anywhere. So I'm excited about what the summer is going to bring and – it's going to be some good times.
2: How about this week's Crosstown Crosstalk? What do you guys got on the docket? Mm-hmm.
0: This week's Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be a little bit inspired by one of my favorite baseball podcasts, Starting Nine. And they had a full episode last week dedicated to Shohei Ohtani. And they were talking oh. about the intricacies of what makes Shohei Ohtani great, right? Like, so last year, he was a nine war player. Because of the fact that he was, like, a four-war pitcher and a five-war hitter, both above average, like, better-than-all-star level stuff for pitchers and hitters. Mike Trout, on average, has, like, an eight- or nine-war every single year, no matter what. And Otani did that because he's so great at two positions. But, like, does he deserve the MVP over someone like Aaron Judge, who just is going to probably mash 5,500 this season? You know. I think so too. I'm of the opinion that like Otani, he's a, he's Dylan Cease on the mound. So like a top five pitcher in the American league, not number one, but he's like top five. And then he's Luis Robert at the plate, not the best hitter in the league, but he's up there. Like, and you just combine both of those into one. Is that better than a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who might have better statistics offensively, but barely, but he doesn't pitch. And he's an yes. average for – Exactly, exactly. I agree with you. So, like, the intricacies of Shohei Otani and what he means and people comparing him to Babe Ruth, even though Babe Ruth sucked. Babe Ruth is probably the most overrated old player. He led the league with 11 home runs one year. Um, it's, just, it's just crazy to me that Otani does what he does, and he's going to start against the White Sox on Wednesday, and he's going to face Michael Kopech. So it's going to be, like, this great – pitching matchup between two guys who throw a hundred and are really cool to watch. One's kind of mouthy. The other barely talks in Japanese or English and right. people are polite all the time. So I enjoy that matchup. I'm very excited for Wednesday's game. And so due to the fact that I listened to this episode about start starting nine about Otani and the fact that he's playing against my favorite team right now, it's like, it's going to be the Shohei Otani episode of Crosstown Crosstalk.
2: I like it, man. That's going to be dynamite. Don't miss it. Tons of great stuff on the Barroom Network all week long. We had Greg Gabriel talking football. I mean, of course, you got South Burm Sitman right before us. We had the double A team. Uh, so much great content on this, on this network. Make sure you mash that subscribe button, like us, follow us, the whole shebang. Anywhere you find podcasts or you can watch the video version. You can look at My Ugly Mug for two hours uh on YouTube so go ahead and check over check that out. Um my wife likes the way I look so at least I got that going for me. I love you, babe. That's all that matters. Um, that's all Your that matters at the feel, end. Right? That's that's true. That's true. That's that's very true, Vinny. It's very deep. No, I appreciate I appreciate that. <laughs> um uh huge uh gotta give a huge shout out to our guest Ryan Lee tonight. Uh dude absolutely brought it of course you know the end game host, him and Alyssa, they bring it every week, and Ryan was a dynamite interview. If you missed it, the live version will be on YouTube here in just a few minutes when we wrap the show, so don't miss that. Uh, let's get the shout-outs, boys. Zim will lead things off with you. What do you got?
4: Like so much stuff, but I'm going to keep it quick. Um, uh, our Little League season just ended. Big shout-out right. to all of those kids who worked their butts off, all of their parents for helping them out. Um it was a very successful season for everybody. Everybody learned a lot and had a lot of fun. And I think um most of I think most of if not all of the kids are uh signing up to continue either baseball or softball. That's great um, in the future, which is like so cool that, that that they've all decided to embrace this sport and keep going forward with it. Um in addition, uh I've recently started my own. Uh, softball league, um, which has been awesome. We're we're playing 12 inch, not 16 inch. 16 inch leagues are harder to find out here. And the only one I could find was like a Sunday night and not doing that. So <laughs> unfortunately I gotta I gotta play the the 12 inch softball with the gloves. Uh eventually as 16 inch gets more popularized, I'm gonna try to convince these guys that we should try it for a season. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And in, uh, in in slightly related news, uh, shout out to my uh, my buddy Jason who taught me how to uh, um, rehabilitate a pulled groin muscle. So that's about, <laughs> that's about it. if if you can figure out how those things are related, uh, you are also uh, either reaching or past 30 like myself. so
2: <laughs> yeah Tim Anderson <laughs> knows a thing or two about that as well.
4: Yeah. So, all right. That's, that's about everything I've got though. Just it's, it's been awesome. Uh, You know, I I know, I know I was away from you guys for a little while doing it, but it was, it was an awesome opportunity.
2: Yeah, Um, man, that's great.
4: We'll be continuing it in the fall. We'll uh, hopefully be able to do a day that doesn't interfere with the show as much, but we'll see. Um, I don't really get to pick those things, unfortunately. So,
2: we'll hey, see man, how it, it is what it is yeah and you know a lot a lot of white Sox off days on mondays so it's the prime day to do this show and look at that we had ryan lee today And we're gonna have in july 18th as of right now if nothing changes jake burger will be on burger. the show
0: jake burger
2: burger bomb baby i'm gonna but say at,
0: i'm gonna say that to him at least once i'm gonna say jake burger like dawning freaking
4: burger.
2: Oh yeah. You want some Wall Burgers?
4: I'm gonna <laughs> laugh when you do that and his camera just goes black and yeah. Jake is disconnected from the conversation. Where'd my, Jake uh,
2: go? My my aunt's like, you should really think about asking him, like in a completely serious face, be like, Do you ever consider naming your son Cheese? <laughs> <laughs>
0: i forgot he's got a couple little sliders on the way that'll be fun
2: <laughs> he's, got, he's definitely got one i don't know if there's a couple is not that did great. i miss that news are they having twins did I miss no
0: that? no no i'm not trying to start any rumors i i kind of meant like eventually
2: ah got it well yeah him and his wonderful fiance ashlyn with a child on the way a uh, best of wishes to them uh zim i know i cut you off your shout out where you, were you finished you got more
4: Nope. Nope. That's about everything. I was, I was rambling and trailing off anyway. So uh, we can, we can keep the show moving along.
2: Keep on chugging Vinnie Parisi. What do you got for shout outs, buddy?
0: Yeah. So for some pretty obvious reasons, I am going to shout out all of the women in my life. Um, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time and, you know, I, the, the level of political I get is my agenda of Tim Anderson making the all-star game over Boba. Exactly. Bichette. Yeah, you know, that, that's about my extent of my broadcasting political stuff. But, you know, for obvious reasons, I'm going to shout out all the women in my life, my girlfriend, Caitlin, my mother. I have all sorts of cousins. You know, I'm not going to name every single one of them because my big Italian family won't allow me to because we'll be here for another hour. But, you know, I'd like to have a daughter one day, Joe. I know you already have a daughter, Zim. Joe, I know you guys got girlfriends, fiancés, uh, wives, Every Gonzo. Um, everybody has women in their life that they care about and respect. And I think at this point in time, it's very important for us guys to kind of like have their backs and, you know, appreciate what they want and need in life. And, you know, I think now is a great time to give a shout out. To all the women that, you know, have helped me get to where I am right now because I wouldn't be there without you. So women bring us into this world. We all know they could take us out. And uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of the whole thing for me. So shout out to all the women in my life. I love you guys very much. You have my full support always.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Vinny. Thank you for that. Uh, shout out to all the ladies out there. I would lead off my shout out with a shout out to my buddy, Vinny Parisi. Thank you for grabbing me this bobblehead on the other day. Uh, You dropped it off to my mom's bar. I really, really, really appreciate it, man. And you had two big games there at the park. You had a fun weekend. Uh, I really appreciate you doing that for me, man.
0: Oh, no problem. It was a no brainer for me. When I realized I had an extra one, it was a, A no-brainer on what to do with it, and my my arm's still kind of hurt from spending so much time. I got I look Mediterranean now, but yeah, it was a good weekend at the ballpark. So I hope also you enjoyed. I don't have mine do. with me right now. Uh, mine's at my parents' house, but you know I'll, I'll probably bring it on the show soon enough. I want to yeah, show that. I'll probably, that open, with, I'll probably
2: um, open it next week. Yeah, I was going to do it today and I forgot. It's a big boy. It's a big boy for sure.
0: It is the best bobblehead the White Sox have ever given out, and I'm saying that. As a guy who likes memorabilia and, you know, you slap that White Sox logo on like a pen and I'm going to think it's the coolest thing ever. But like that bobblehead legitimately, it's like the Lucas Giolito in the X-Wing suit Um because yeah. I like Star Wars. But like, you know, Liam Hendricks, that one was cool. The Tim Anderson, like that one was up there. But this one, the fact that there's two, it's just
2: so sweet. So hang on, I'm going to grab it now. I got both of them there.
0: There you go. Yep, Liam Hendricks, Tim Anderson. I missed, I went to the Tim Anderson game, and I missed it by like 10 people. Literally, I can see people getting it in my vision, and I didn't. That was that tough. That was tough. I'm sorry, dude. It's all good.
2: But, uh, Vinny, big shout-out to you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to uh, the fine folks at Marconi Foods. Uh, we got a care package today at my house from them—a uh, box full of jardinere and all the good stuff, and a giant thing of extra olive oil. If you don't know Marconi Foods from the Chicagoland area, I don't know where you live because they make fantastic jardinere. They have great banana peppers. Uh, they make red sauce, arrabbiata sauce—you name it. Uh, we'd we'd love to work more with Marconi Foods. Um, you know, just because they sent the box, I think maybe next week we're gonna do a Marconi segment of some sort, just because we can show them what they'll get if they partner with us. And they sent us a lot of stuff. So thank you, Marconi Foods. Um wow. Uh I have enough Jardinere and uh olive oil to last me into the moon, and I am very happy about it. I'm gonna bring some to Vinny when him and I, spoiler alert are going to the Sox game with Joey. On July 7th, I'll bring some hot air. Everything they sent was hot, so it's going to be hot. So Vinny likes hot. I know that. Oh, yeah. um, so thank you to the fine folks at Marconi. I want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Catherine, our beautiful baby girl, Audrey. Of course, my great Dane Maverick. And just like you, Vinny, I want to shout out my mom this week. Uh, I love you, mom, and all the moms in the world, including my mother-in-law. Appreciate you guys. And, of course, the wonderful chat room, which was very active tonight. Everyone was excited for Ryan Lee. Ton of fun. And here we are. We're at the two-hour and six-minute mark. We are done here with the South Burb sit, man. We're getting ready to to roll that curtain and get out of here. Uh, Vinny, I just got to ask, before we get out, did you watch the finale to Obi-Wan?
0: I sure did. It was wonderful. I loved every second of it.
2: Yeah, it was some of the some of the best stuff I've seen in a long time, and I'm getting all fuzzy just thinking about it. So I just had to get your thoughts on it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Fantastic stuff. We're Star Wars nerds. Um, I've got a literally a Star Wars pinball machine in the corner behind me. There you go. Hell yeah! I'm a nerd, but Who's I wouldn't doing? have it any other way. Living the dream. But We're uh, all gentlemen. Nerd.
0: I play video games. I like Pokemon. Zim loves Pokemon. Zim's setting up like sick computers that have cool lights and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm like school. a combination of you two is basically what I am. So you're both on different spectrums of the nerd scale. And then there's me who's just both of you.
4: Hey, you want to show off some nerd stuff? I don't know if I can get it in the shot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Let's go.
2: Do you got any Chim Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> me in my poot <laughs> me me <laughs> now we're going in the south park this is the show that just keeps on giving guys
4: <laughs> hey man casa bonita is going to reopen any day now casa Benita, that's right casa
2: Zim you're not far from casa bonita right
4: no I was actually just over in the neighborhood this weekend It's uh, it's looking very pink and phallic <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, well
2: you, your parents' place isn't too far from there. And I know they know a thing or two about Jardenaire.
4: Oh, yeah. But we use uh, we don't use Marconi. I'm trying to remember who they use. Um, one of the other, you know, three legitimate suppliers. There's yeah. not many out there. I love Jard. Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jardenaire pizza, a pizza with Jardenaire and beef on it, mm-hmm. like Phil's. Or just pizza with Jardinier or just Jardinier
4: in general. Italian sausage and Jardinier. Yep. They,
2: even sent, they even sent a muffaletta over. I even got some of the relish kind. I mean,
4: I love the muffaletta. fine folks
2: at Marconi really uh, really did it up for us, so we appreciate it.
4: Well, I know where we're having a barbecue next time we're on the south side. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, no doubt. No doubt. Lots of Jardinier to go around, and who knows? Maybe we'll give away some of the Marconi stuff. There you go. I mean, we'll have to do it if you're going to be at the game on July 7th because it's going to be quite a hefty package to ship. But, well, they shipped it to me. I mean, that package was heavy, man. The UPS man. I saw the video on my ring. He's like, (laughs) oh. That's funny. But, yeah, we had it all in the show. We had Ryan Lee. We had Zim being hilarious. We had Vinny being passionate. And you had me just doing whatever it is that I do on this show. Um, the we appreciate all you guys.
4: podcasts in the world. Oh, stop! Yeah, you're kind of getting carried away there.
2: Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I'll take the compliment though. I'm Steve's not gonna like, Steve Oh yeah, T-
4: take that one to the bank, man. Run with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
2: That's all right, guys. Anyway, we I dragged out the clothes, but that's okay. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. Reminder, we are taking the week off on the 4th of July. There is no show next week. We shall return, though. I'm looking at my calendar because I can't think. If you think I could do math in my head, but I sure can't. We'll be back on July 11th. Uh, we don't have a guest yet, but I will announce it on Twitter when we do. What I can tell you, though, is the week after, July 18th, Jake Berger is going to be on the show. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait. Don't miss that. It's going to be fun. But anyway, thank you for tuning in for the South Burb Sitman. Man, I'm sorry. I had to burp. For the South Burb Sitman, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Steven Zim Zimmerman. Below me, that's vinnie Parisi. And in my little pocket here is Chris Gonzalez. We will see you guys in two weeks. Let's go, White Sox. Let's get above 500. Let's make that push. Let's get the dub tonight. Let's go, White Sox.